welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, January 12th. We are here live. Uh, it's a Friday free-for-all. It might be trucking technology and efficiency if anybody joins me this morning. I hear Alec and Henry are supposed to be here, but I don't see anybody yet. And Joel, I guess, is in an area with no coverage, so he's not going to be joining us. So uh, right now, it is just a free-for-all. Pick up the phone and join me, and uh, we'll take your calls and answer your questions about anything you want today. We can focus on fuel economy and efficiency and those kind of things, but we can also just uh, let loose a little bit and have fun on a Friday. So pick up the phone, 319 527 Six seven nine one. This is five days in a row on the same phone system. Uh, I am kind of testing our technology again uh, because I am out at the homestead this morning, broadcasting from out here in the woods. Because we're about to experience a very unusual event for us. Uh, we've got a bunch of snow out here at the at the farm. Three miles down the road, there's nothing on the ground at all. And we've probably got about eight inches right now starting to snow again. I'm not too worried about the snow. I've got the driveway plowed. That's fine. What I'm worried about out here is we are going to see single-digit temperatures. We might get down to seven. That's almost unheard of for us. Even to get into the teens here is pretty unusual and once this cold sets in this afternoon, it's supposed to hit in a couple hours, uh, we'll go down as low as 7. And I don't think we're going to get above like 22 degrees until Wednesday. So uh, there really isn't any heat in these buildings. And I have three buildings out here that still have water on. I've got the house itself, the barn, and the chicken coop. The greenhouse, I'm actually able to turn off the water in there. So I've got to keep these buildings at least a little warm so they don't freeze. So I've got oil heaters in the barn and the chicken coop. I've got a couple oil heaters in the house, and I've got the wood stove going, which is why I'm out here. i got to kind of keep that wood stove going, and I need to feed it about every 10 to 12 hours. So... Uh, it looks like I'll be coming out here in the mornings, hanging out for the day, keeping things warm and uh, making sure we don't have a plumbing disaster. So um, looks like the technology is working so far. I haven't gone to a phone call yet. We will see. I actually think that uh, for the most part, my system is more stable out here at the farm than it is at home because I've got Starlink out here. Uh, I've got all my Starlink equipment to set up our new internet at the house as well. Uh, we're setting up a multiple redundant system for internet with at least three and sometimes four connections. If that isn't enough, I don't know what is. That will eliminate one potential issue where we just lose our internet connection and then I have to restart everything. That should take care of that. And we will have that same system in all three places I do the show from. The house, the homestead, and the I have a system that will go with me and the coach now. Uh, other than that, as far as the technology and the show goes, we're still working on our broadcast app. Our goal is to be 
at least beta testing it with shows by the end of the month, if not using it for the shows by the end of the month. So I'm looking forward to that. It looks like we do have Henry and Alec here. So I'm going to bring those guys in and we're just going to get started today. Good morning, guys. Good morning. What's uh, Henry? Where are you today? I am in Slidell, Louisiana. What's the weather like down there? It's kind of crazy right now around the country. I really gone outside yet. Ah, okay. And unlike the trucks of the past, they're insulated so good. I don't you, know. You can't tell. Yeah, that's kind of nice. I, I know. I know it was a beautiful night last night when I parked. It was starting to rain. And it was 66 degrees. I didn't even turn on my battery-powered air conditioner or anything. It was, But it amazed me how many trucks were idling all around the lot. And I'm like, well, they got fuel that, I, that they don't know what to do with or something. Because yeah, it made no sense whether they I were, were they getting hot, cold. I don't know. Uh, yeah, at that temperature, why would you possibly need to idle? That just makes no sense to me at all. Well, it's it's interesting. You know, what used to be called ParkSmart, now it's a dual HVAC system. I got to go out to work with a fleet here coming up, and I looked at their engine reports, and they had 44 and 48% idle time. Oh, man. Of course, course they're complaining that they don't have good enough fuel mileage, but they have the battery-powered air conditioning system. So much like I went to one fleet, they ordered it with it, and they never told the drivers they had it. And nobody was turning it on, and they were. And I'm like, well, that was money well spent, right? Ah, uh, uh, unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, um, Alec, where are you this morning? I am just outside of Denver, and and uh, if I could just put in an infomercial, it's uh, not. It was nine degrees this morning, so if you're in Cal- uh, California, thinking about relocating here to Colorado, uh, my suggestion is to go somewhere else. Yeah, don't. Yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. That's where we're sending them in Texas. Oklahoma. <laughs> no, no, isn't it funny? Yeah. Now all of a sudden, yeah. we don't even want some of the American citizens to move into our state. Forget all the people flooding across the southern border. Nobody wants the Californians that are fleeing. Well, yeah. In fact, in Texas, we're thinking about giving California Austin just shipping it there. Yeah, yeah. Austin doesn't belong in texas you really you should send it up here and we'll just combine it with portland (laughs) portland got enough problems yeah yeah, well we might as well just pile on because they're not going to fix any of them anyway Mm -mm. they both have the same motto keep portland weird and and (laughs) they were both successful at their motto that's right that's right yeah, no doubt. It, it takes commitment, yeah. you know. It takes commitment. They did the hard work. They did. They <laughs> did. They carried out their mission. Now they're looking around, though, and and even even they are looking around, going, "What the hell did we do?" They kept it weird. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a little bit late for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. Uh, all right. I've got some issues I want to. Hey. You know, Joel, Joel is using some excuse of having spotty coverage, but I know what the truth is. You know why he's not here today? Anybody? Because I do. <laughs> Anybody have a guess? Well, Alec, what do you think it is? Well, uh, he's going to blame it on the wind and the terrain and being in New Mexico and not having signal. Right. But a week ago, we installed a uh, cell phone booster. So uh, uh, see, between us, let's just keep see, it quiet. 
That's right. He's got great service. He's got so, he's got five bars. That's but. what I thought. So here's yeah. the here's why he's he's not showing up today for work. He didn't do his homework. <laughs> oh. oh, remember oh, we had homework right. this week. You know what? I think I think we have a company wide problem. In that <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know if I watched or listened to the right thing, but I, I, I did my homework. I may not have done it correctly, but I, I did my homework. It, did you listen well, to the book? Well, at least we have a star pupil. That's right. Teacher's pet. I get a gold star for effort or something like that. I don't know. Or participation. You get a trophy. Does that go? Yeah, participation yeah, trophy. Everybody we all get a trophy. trophy. That's right. Yeah. Everybody. That's right. Uh, actually, in my world, see what happens if you nobody don't, gets trophies. People don't show up. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll. Uh, yeah, we are. So we're we're not, unless you guys want to talk about it, we won't spend a whole lot of time on that. We'll save that one. Um, I there is another. Yeah, but, go ahead. On that, summing it up, China has ten years left. Germany's in a bad way. Is what I got out of it. Yeah, and, 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 and we're not going to be globalized. We're, we're, Things are going to move closer. Mexico's in a good spot. Yeah, North America is probably the place you want to be in the world if this actually happens. You know, my thought was, what a cr- crazy concept to think that this is going to happen, except in the news we're watching it happen. Exactly. It is happening. I know. It's kind of scary. Yeah, oh, it was... It was- it was funny when I was listening to it because, you know, with where we are in the economy or just things in general, what's up seems like it should be down. What's down seems like it should be up. Nothing makes any sense. But listening to that, I was actually, you know, this kind of makes sense. It and, does. And the, the joke that's been amongst a few really majorly successful business owners I'm friends with is none of this is going to make sense till all of a sudden it does. <laughs> and we're going to be like, why didn't we see that? Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. But like I say, we're watching it. Here's a bigger issue for me, and this seems to be getting bigger and bigger every day. I, I belong to a lot of groups that are fighting this, and maybe why it, that's why it seems like it to me. But uh, the Department of Labor came out with their new definition oh, yeah. of independent contractors. I have a list from one of the groups that, I follow, and the group is actually, um, they were the biggest group that was fighting AB5 in California. And the Department of Labor's ruling is just a copy of AB5. So we can look at California and say, this is what the federal government is trying to do. It's the exact same blueprint as AB5. They put together a list of six over 600 occupations that currently use independent contractors and will not be allowed to do that if this law passes over 600 occupations this is not just a trucking issue this could devastate our entire economy no well this is much broader than that and at one point i don't know if it's still the case but you know real estate agents they are all independent contractors so if you and they should be these are all independent they should be now well, yeah, I have no, and I have no problem with that. The the problem that I see here is, and I haven't checked up on it lately because it's been a few years since that stupid idea came out. But I thought that real estate agents were exempted from this AB five. So I want to know who they're using for a lobbying firm because that's 
what oh. trucking needs to use. Well, wait a minute. Well, I, I have a better. I have a better approach. Um, in California, where this is already implemented, I we should go check and see what happened mm-hmm. to real estate agents there. I don't think I think they're exempted in California because I haven't heard anything. I will tell you who else got exempted. Yeah. So maybe we should go find their attorneys, um, strippers, attorneys, strippers. Hmm. It's it's complete. It's still legal in California for strippers to work as independent contractors. They must have good attorneys too. They got to well, own somebody. If. If they're, <laughs> I'm just going to go there. <laughs> they, they know somebody. They, yeah, that's right. That. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, know they, somebody. They, they've got a lot of dirt well, on people. That might between, be it. Yeah, there's a very close connection between politics and strippers. And I'm yeah. just going to just leave it there. Leave it right there. We'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah. So, it, Kevin, it, along that same note, did you see the deal about more than eight hours in the sleeper berth needs oh, to be yeah. paid. That's right. And, mm. and, you know, we were talking about being on the right continent. They're doing everything they can to make sure that we're not. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, but. You know, here's, here's part of the problem that I have with this. What agency has ultimate authority over this decision? Because I'm not sure. I've been dealing with this issue for about 40 years, as long as I've been in trucking. My first year... Like a lot of people, when I bought my second truck and I asked everybody that I could think of in the industry, how, how should I pay my driver? Everybody said, oh, as an independent contractor. It was the norm. <laughs> yeah. So I did that my first year. I actually got questioned by the IRS, which is fairly rare, but I'm glad I did because I realized after I went through the IRS issue that my drivers were not independent contractors. I was doing it wrong. Now, the IRS even has what they call a safe haven clause that says if you were doing it wrong, but you had a good reason for doing it wrong, we won't penalize you. We'll make you fix it going forward, but we won't penalize you. And that was the case. A good reason was if it is a standard industry practice and you did it for that reason, thinking it was right, then we'll exempt you from penalties. Just fix it. So I did. And from that day forward, every driver I ever hired was treated like an employee. Um, they very seldom ever enforced this. I don't know how I got caught up in it that, that year. But I'm, like I said, I'm glad I did. I fixed it. I made it right. If you don't own equipment, this is the easiest test for the way it's been in this industry for the last 40 years. If you don't own or rent or lease the equipment then you're not an independent contractor. For the most part, the IRS has basically ruled if you do own the equipment or rent or lease it, you are an independent contractor. They ignore almost all of the other issues. FedEx is a great example. I don't know of many carriers that exert more control over their independent contractors than FedEx. There might be some out there, not many. Uniforms, specific color you've got to paint your vehicles, not just white, mm-hmm. FedEx white. Now, they're not always, they don't always enforce that rule, but the FedEx has a specific color of white, and that's what color your vehicle is supposed to be. Um, they schedule you down to the minute sometimes. They, they tell you when you're going to work, when you're not going to work. I, they maintain a lot of control. But over the years, the IRS has come after FedEx many times 
FedEx makes a couple tweaks to their contract, pays the IRS a big fine, and then we all go back to being independent contractors again. And that ruling is all the IRS. At the federal level, I have never really seen any other agency get involved in this. The IRS has their own test. It's a 21-question test to determine whether or not somebody's an independent contractor. It's just like most government crap. Those 21 questions could be interpreted 2,100 different ways. It's not very clear. For the most part, if, if you have half of a legitimate reason to call somebody an independent contractor, the IRS has allowed it. Now, all of a sudden, we have the Department of Labor coming in and setting new rules. But it's not just the IRS. I've also dealt with cases at the state level, could be workers' comp, could be state unemployment, could be state income taxes. Those agencies have the right to come in and say, no, those aren't independent contractors. You might be fine at the IRS level, but being penalized at the state level for the exact same issue. And now we have the Department of Labor piling on and they're going to write rules now. Whose rules are we supposed to follow? Uh, it's a tough question. Yeah. There are, like you said, there, there are multiple, it's kind of a matrix yeah. or spider web. You got the Department of Labor, you got the Department of Transportation, uh, and I'm sure there are many others. Uh, well, obviously, Department of the Treasury. The IRS. Um, and yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's almost like they're mutually exclusive. And if you follow one, like this um, CRST appellate court decision that Henry mentioned, um, you know, that kind of conflicts with uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act, the right. carry exemption. Um, you know, I have that situation. I have team drivers. They are employees. Uh, I got to know what, how, you know, what do I need to do? Exactly. Because when I do payroll, I, I can't have, you know, employees, you know, saying, hey, you didn't pay me correctly, uh, you know, because this changes our compensation plan to some degree. Yeah. Here's an example so, in, in yeah. our company. I, I'll, I'll describe the job and the requirements and you to guess whether or not they're an independent contractor or an employee. Uh, they are um, certified in nutrition, so they've got some training and some background in this particular field. They work from home. Our main office is in Oregon and they live in Florida. They supply all their own equipment, computers, phones, whatever. Um, they work Mostly when they want to work, with the exception of we have we might schedule this person to work with somebody one on one. So the schedule set usually by the client. We we give the client a calendar. We say here are the available times. Client picks the time. Now of course that person needs to be there at that time. I mean that that's that's just how this works. So and that's pretty much it. That's the whole job description. Um, there are other projects they can do for us. They might create content. Um, we've got a pay schedule based on, you know, if they do a one-on-one -on -one with the client, here's how much money you make, that kind of thing. So with that job description, what would you say, independent contractor or employee? I'm going to go with the contractor. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Now, we can also say that in this situation – as the employer, I have the choice. I can make them an employee. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why they can't be an employee, but there's also no reason why they right. can't be an independent contractor. 
they fit all the requirements and the regulations, except not under AB5 and not under the new Department of Labor. Well, that's right. Right. Under AB5, because this is the type of business that you do. Right. It's not like they're taking out the trash. You are in the food supplement type business, for lack of a more accurate description. Yep. Nutritional. They are are also acting in the same field. Correct. And therefore, under AB5, then yes, they would be an employee, which is frankly asinine. And, And you know what will happen? And I hate to say this. If that were to be implemented today, based on where we are in the economy and where we are in our company and what we've got going on, that would be the reason for me to it. just eliminate that position. Yeah, you, you wouldn't be able to afford the overhead. Right. Yeah, yeah, And even if I could afford it, it's not like it would put me out of business to do it, but I'm in the business of running an efficient business. I mean, that's what this show is about. That's what we talk about all the time. Even if I could afford it, I could, but I don't want to and I shouldn't have to. That, that's what it comes down to. That if I look at that position and mm-hmm. say, if I, if I make sure that that person gets as much money as they're getting now, I don't want to give them any kind of a pay cut. In order to pay them as much as they're making now, my overhead goes up significantly. I now have to provide workers' comp. I got to pay half their Social Security and Medicare. I got to pay state unemployment, federal unemployment. Um, This person does not want to work as an employee. This is their choice as well. I should not be forced to pick up those extra expenses. And many businesses, especially in a bad economy, won't. They'll just eliminate the position. Mm Mm-hmm. How does this help people? Uh, it doesn't. No. That was never the goal. Though. Right. You, you know damn well that this is, A, it's a money grab. B, it's a union-growing yeah. move. Uh, and three, I think it, it's all about, you know, frankly, economic control. Um, I be- yeah, I, I agree. It's gonna, to, to your point, though, this, this is going to really hurt the economy, you know, <laughs> The, the wonderful thing about the gig economy and contractors in general, and I'll just talk about the trucking industry for a second, you know, you've got these mega carriers, and we took perfect advantage of this uh, with, with Schneider, and uh, it went so well that, you know, it's going to uh, probably expand. Uh, but during the, you know, on the run-up to the holidays, your beloved FedEx, you know, these LTL carriers, um, they all need contractors to to pick up the slack of extra freight, right? You know, seasonal demand, and that is a great use of the contractor model. Absolutely. You know, they and they can hire us, Alpha drivers, to pick up that slack, and then what we do, Alpha drivers, how we pay our employees—that's our business. That's not Schneider. That's not um, FedEx. It's not any of the other carriers, and you know, so they just. You know, pay us. We pay our employees accordingly. Uh, We made the decision to, um, and it's our decision, uh, how we pay our employees. Um, Now, it just so happens that, you know, um, Travis is not bringing a truck. So, you know, he doesn't get the choice. He is an employee uh, by every definition. But as, uh, you know, Joel and I, we, we are both employees of our own company. Uh, and we can set up benefits and 401ks and the uh, group uh, medical insurance that we provide for all of our employees. And that becomes a company expense. So we can do things as a company that 
an independent contractor does not get to enjoy. So there are benefits. Absolutely, so right. If Yeah, so if somebody just looks at it purely on the, hey, I don't have to pay the tax and the withholdings and everything else, you're missing the forest for the trees. Yeah, um, yeah. But to your point, the, the gig economy, it, if AB5 becomes national or or even if it's AB5 light, I think this is going to be extremely detrimental to the business. You know, can you imagine, you know, holiday shipping? I'm sorry. I know you ordered it in September, but uh, we don't have enough trucking capacity, and uh, you might see it in April. Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, I'm exaggerating, yeah. but that that's going to happen. And the you know, service. Look at what the postal service is doing now. Yeah, they're doing it on yeah. their own, and they still can't provide a good service. Right. And we talk about trucking and how that would have impact things because that's what we know and understand. But when I see a group putting out a list of over 600 occupations that used to be allowed to be independent contractors and now no longer are, that is, we can't even imagine how that could affect our economy. Yeah. It, it, what the, I just, a big change. I, when I, I started at the top of the list and I scrolled really fast and I got down to the bottom, because it's 600 names, it's not like I'm gonna look at every occupation. When I got down to the bottom, one of the last ones I saw, it, it, YouTube creators. So if I wanted to hire somebody in, you know, wherever, um, Iowa, to create content for me on YouTube, uh, make trucking related videos. Here's the information I want. I want you to make a cool video out of this for me. Um, here's the parameters of the project. Let me know when, when you're done and um, give me a quote on what this is gonna cost me. I can't do that anymore. I would have to hire that person as well, an there, employee. There's a lot of writers oh. in general, isn't there? Yeah, There's most independent. Many journalists are independent right, freelance, right? Yeah. yeah, independent journalists. That's what I was looking for, yeah. Right. Freelance, freelance that, that term is used a lot in a lot of industries. And when you hear the term freelance, think independent contractor. That's exactly what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, Kevin, let me use that Iowa YouTube creator example. So if you hire him or her, you're not currently in the YouTube production business. So how can that be construed as wait a minute. being in the same wait, industry or wait, the same? Yeah. No, no, wait a minute. You, you know where I'm going. I, I, all they have to do is look at our current content online, and we have YouTube content. So we are a YouTube creator. We do it all the time. We post social no, media content that we created ourselves all the time. It's a big part of what oh, we do. If you create. Okay. Now, here, you know how I can get around this? Not only can I get around it, it ultimately gives me more of a benefit. Now, I don't normally do this, but we have the option to. All of our programming, people wonder, I, I've, I've made the statement before, that our simple app, Fuel Gauges, fairly simple app, we've had it out over a decade. We have over a million dollars invested into that app. People freak out. They're like, no way. No, that's not even possible. Oh, yes, it is. And if you want to do all of your wow. programming here in the United States, that's what this kind of stuff costs. I was talking with truckstop.com the other day. They have, they have software that they have over half a billion dollars invested into. Software. That, so, yeah, our little app. Now, I could have cut that cost by 70%. 
All I would have had to do is just outsource my programming to India, South Korea, or about a dozen other countries around the world. And it's easy to do because this is all digital transfer. I don't need somebody here in the United States to do this. We have resisted doing that. We spend the money to have, we have our own programming team here in the States and it is outrageously expensive to have that. All of this digital content creation, which is a huge part of what our company does. We develop software, apps, courses online. We post all the time on social media. We have our own social media site. We have multiple apps. All of this stuff, I could get around all of these AB5 rules. All I have to do is outsource it outside the United States. Now, isn't that a terrific boon for the U.S. economy? Yep. And I, I, I look, we have resisted taking our uh, programming offshore, even though we could save 70 percent. We don't do it. It's bad for our economy. I don't want to do that. This would may be the final straw. If they pull this off, I, I may have to say, sorry, if we're going to stay in business, I'm going to have to outsource everything outside of this country. Hmm. And I'm just curious, how much tax money does the IRS collect when uh, you outsource it overseas? Zero. I don't have to pay a penny on that. They don't. The people I'm paying are not going to pay a penny to the United States, right? Yeah, exactly. So how is this helping the coffers? It doesn't. It doesn't. This is the problem with government, even what they think they're trying to accomplish. They want more control (laughs) so it's easier to collect tax money. I get that. What they can't see is not only are, are you not going to make it any easier to collect, there's not going to be any tax money to gather anymore. We'll just offshore all of this digital stuff because it's easy to offshore that stuff. Brilliant. It, it cost me zero to transfer the software that somebody is writing for me in the Philippines to me in the U.S. There's no transportation cost here. It's not like a product. I have zero cost to get that work from the Philippines to me. And if I can get it done 70% yeah. less and I don't have to worry about the IRS and the independent contractor rule, I would be insane not to do it. I'm kind of insane not to do it now. Yeah. But we made that decision a long time ago and we've stuck to it. All of our programming is done here in the U.S. It's crazy. But I'm mad at Alec right now because he sent me thinking about Frank. What? Just about Frank? That's po- yeah, who's Frank? You, you, when you said frankly, it's one of the mysteries oh, of the oh. world to me. Oh. <laughs> hey, one, one more thing kind of along the lines of this <laughs> issue. Like, do, now do we have to worry about the Department of Labor, the IRS, all these different agencies? Yeah, we do. They, they can all get you on this. Here's another one, though. Uh, Cummins just paid the largest fine ever for cheating emissions, $2 billion. Cummins paid to the government for cheating emissions, $2 billion. That, that's a pretty hefty fine. I get it. Don't cheat. You don't mm-hmm. have to pay the fine. But guess what else just happened? This, this sounds completely wrong to me. This, to me, sounds like double jeopardy. California is now suing Cummins, and they want $175 million for the exact same issue. 
Yeah, I'm with you on the double jeopardy part. Well, well, it could get worse. If California can do it, Every state could do why it. can't Oregon do it to them, too? And then Washington. And, and what would stop these states from doing that? I think the, the difference is that CARB is the, is the bastard child of, of federal regulations uh, as far as the economy. You know, CARB preceded the EPA. So I think, you know, if, if, if Cummins, if, the, if they enter a settlement with the EPA and Cummins, there's nothing to stop uh, the sovereign state of California to right. do their own deal under, under CARB, which I, th- I agree with you is, it would, be, would amount to a double jeopardy. But I don't think uh, Oregon and Washington and well, Colorado and all the other states wait. could do that. But they, I could be wrong. They, well, yeah, here, oh, wait, there's more. here is why they could do it. I don't believe that Cummins did anything extraordinary that only violated CARB's rules. I think what Cummins was doing, if it violated the federal rule, then it would violate any state rule that might exist. It doesn't have to be as strict as CARB. Any state emission mm-hmm. law, they, they altered the emissions. They're in violation. And, and yeah. to me, also, how, how about the states that have adopted CARB rules? Yeah, there's there's some of that going on, too. Yeah. With 17 Texas states, states that surprised me. Hey, hey, one more thing, and then we're going to get to some 17 calls. States. Oh, 17 states now? Yeah, 17 states, which I can't believe. Me either. Either have or are considering uh, adopting CARB's regulations, in, in Illinois being one of them. And I, and I laugh because... Why would Illinois give away their sovereign right to regulate to a state that's not even contiguous? Exactly. Uh, it, to me, it just, just shows that they have no cojones to, yeah. to do their own job. But, yeah. Well, wh- why would uh, Texas? Uh, that's a good question. Well, Texas, as you know, is, is very keen on doing whatever the rest of the union does. Hey, hey Henry, you yeah. gave us the answer earlier. <laughs> The capital of Texas is um, the what? problem. Yeah. Not Texas itself, yeah. the state. It's the capital that causes Texas all of its issues. Well, you know, it's created a cottage industry. I was looking at getting a uh, older Corvette for a while. And now it's not legal in a lot of states if it don't have the original air cleaner, the air pumps they put on them, all that <laughs> other crazy stuff. And... Uh, created the cottage industry because they're making reproduction stuff of that stuff that everybody took off of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You, you, government can write all the regulations they want. Businesses will figure out a way to make money. But the problem is we shouldn't have to deal with this constant interruption. Because you can say we've got a new cottage industry, but at the same time we probably put a whole bunch of businesses out of business because of this. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I wasn't saying that was right, necessarily right. a good thing. No, but you're, you're right. That's that's what business will do. Business will figure out a way to, to, to benefit from this stuff. But it, we shouldn't have to constantly keep trying to react to all these goofy regulations from multiple agencies. Uh, one more thing, and then we're going to get to the calls because they're piling up on us. Um, I, I talk about this a lot. I'm going to talk about it again because this is happening a lot more. I don't know why these things aren't being reported all that well. Cyber attacks are on the rise. Big cyber attacks against companies, against electric companies, 
this is happening more and more all the time. And the reason I say it, because it's bad enough if you live somewhere and you're at home and you go to work and you come home every day and that area gets hit with a cyber attack. Maybe the power goes out for a while or the water goes out for a while or the banking system goes out for a while. Very inconvenient, probably even dangerous in some cases for some people who are totally unprepared for this kind of stuff. The reason I talk about it a lot more, what if you're a truck driver and you're a thousand miles away from home and you're in an area that this happens? The banking system goes down, your credit cards don't work anymore, power goes out, there's not a lot of food going to be available in that area. If you're out on the road, be prepared for this kind of stuff. Have cash. If the banking system goes down and you can't use a credit card, how are you going to get fuel? How are you going to get food? How are you going to get anything? Be prepared. Have a plan for this because it's happening a lot more, and I'm surprised it's not being reported better. Hmm. You know, that's something I used to do, but I, I, I haven't done as much. So, yeah. I would get back taken. to that. I, 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 it, right now, when I travel in the coach, I, I do not travel with less than $5,000 in cash. And that sometimes didn't seem like enough if I was 2,000 miles away and something really went wrong. But I, I would just be prepared. This stuff's happening. You know, um, just I won't say it happens often, but it not ha- happens a lot more frequently than I would like. You know, we go to get fuel at our, you know, at our in-network facilities. And I would say once every two months, you get up to the pump and the pump isn't working or, or the link to right. EFS isn't working or whatever. And so we have to use a different form of payment, which means we don't get our discount and whatever. But so even if you had the cash, I'm just playing devil's advocate, the system still might not be working. It might not. Um, You're right. So I guess the, the, the moral of the story, now that I think about it, is um, you, you better have you know three or four methods of how you're going to pay to keep that truck moving yes. because one or two of them could, you know, your card may be fine, but uh, if the network up the EFS is down right. and you, you may have to pay cash. Now, if their pumps are down, you're, which also happens, I, well, well, then you're SOL anyway. Oh, no, I have a conten- contingency for that too. Keep in mind, <laughs> if, if we're in a situation that bad and it looks like that's going to be more than just a day or two, it, you know, it's something they're not going to be able to fix easy. It's going to be long term. Um, I have a solution in my coach. I have a transfer pump. Tennessee credit card. Yep. Yeah. In a situation like that, if I got to get home, I'm getting home or I'm getting fuel somewhere and I've got a transfer <laughs> pump to do it. So have plan B, C and D. Um, was kind of the way mm-hmm. I look at things. Well, I'd imagine right. in an emergency, Kevin, the lines that go from your slider on your trailer would be long enough to accomplish that same <laughs> mission if you had to it, take them off temporarily. It, it, if I had to MacGyver something, I could, but the transfer pump's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, mine, um, mine sits in a lower bay. It's mounted in a lower bay, wired and plumbed into my filler neck. And all I have to do is take the other hose, drop it into a <laughs> fuel and hit the switch. Takes me about, and it's a big pump, pumps pretty darn fast. 
<laughs> so, so don't park next to Kevin. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, if fuel that's prices <laughs> if fuel prices get really high, don't park next to me. Mm. All right. Let's get to some phone calls. Because they're uh, we've got a lot of them. Let's get started. We're going to go to Texas. Tom, welcome to the program. Yeah, hey, guys. Um, uh, <laughs> I almost forgot why I called. Hey, that, um, that uh, book that we're talking about, The End of the World, just the beginning you guys were talking about earlier, the um, Black, Black Sea, uh, where the Houthis are. are uh, uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was the Red Sea. Ships and whatnot. Yeah, it's different color. It's the Red Sea. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, Red Sea. Uh, the, uh, at the short, at the I heard this morning on the radio. At the shortest distance, it's only like 18 miles across there, so pretty easy to to um, hijack the ships. I guess I don't imagine the channel is probably not that wide. But um, do you know how what percent of the world's uh, goods travel through that. The thirteen percent, thirty maybe. Yeah, they said. Well, I heard, I heard twelve. Oh, twelve. 12 okay. But I thought that was pretty high. I thought I thought that yeah. was pretty. It high. It is high. You know, um, it is. Yeah. You know, what comes? What comes? What comes from there? I don't. I don't uh, a lot of oil. Uh, I also well, believe well, okay. a, a lot of grain. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, Tom, I, I saw two figures. I saw 15% and 30%. I thought so I saw 30, I yeah. 15% of the world's goods and 30% of the world's oil. That's, yeah, that's right. That was the 30% was the I, oil, so, right? Yeah, so okay, that, the numbers are confusing sense. as hell, but... Of course, yeah. right. But, right. Uh, but that's still a huge But it's a lot either way. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is, so especially for the oil, the oil part. Yeah. And then... Uh, Kevin, yesterday you were talking about the hybrid, you know, the Hyundais, and then we're going back to Dotson. You were going back to Dotson and all yeah. that. The hybrid Hyundai, I just bought one. It was a 23, and um, it's not a plug-in hybrid. Uh, right. It's, uh, right. It's, pardon me? Yeah, that's what I was asking yesterday when Paul was talking about the hybrids. Yeah. I want the distinction between plug-in and non-plug-in. A plug-in hybrid is is almost more of a battery electric and kind of uses gas as the alternative fuel, where the original hybrids are really internal combustion engines using a little bit of electric here and there. That that's the shift. When we go to sure. plug-in hybrids, they're more like battery electric. Right, right. And then so uh, this one, I mean, the little darn thing gets fifty-two miles a gallon, um, and I don't ever know if it's running on electric or, or gas. I think it has. <laughs> I get. I I have only driven it a little bit. The girlfriend drives it mostly, but um, uh, I mean, for fifty-two grand, a little hey. it's a little Hyundai, you know, and and they've come a long way. I have a question for you. When yeah, when you put that thing in reverse, and usually when you're just idling around or driving slow, you can pretty easily tell whether you're on battery or engine, and it will switch back and forth all the time. When you back up that Hyundai, does it make any weird noise going backwards? Um, I I haven't I I haven't noticed, but now now it will because yeah. it's, uh, um, the, yeah, the reason I asked the, the noise I'm talking about is it, it, it's it's hard to miss. The reason I asked my daughter has a Lexus mm-hmm. hybrid, and she was leaving the house one day, and I'm like, what the hell is that noise? 
She was backing out of the driveway. It, it, no, it, it, yeah, the hum, the hum. Yeah, but it's worse than a hum. It, it's pretty loud. It, it's a pretty it, high pitch. Yeah, it's hum. a high pitched hum. Electric You're exactly sound. right. Yeah. It, it, yes, yes. I get, yeah, it, 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 okay. it does. Do that. And it's noisy. It, yeah, the battery. It's, it's, it's not quiet. It's You're not right. quiet. And to me, it immediately sounded like something is really wrong. This was not a normal <laughs> automobile noise that I've ever heard in my life, and it sounded bad, like something's really wrong. You know, because they're sort of new, you know, um, still new. Uh, Hyundai had a um, 10-year, 100,000-mile, everything uh, battery included, because, you know, if the battery craps out on the thing, that's going to cost you a fortune. And I just have, and it's in Vegas, so... I had a feeling that it, 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 you know what I mean, with the heat and whatnot, that it might not last like it's supposed to. So, I mean, it cost me a, a, a bloody fortune for that, but that's through Hyundai, you know what I mean? It's not, right. not like an aftermarket warranty. And that, right. I bought the damn thing. I'm like, you know what? You know, and I guarantee at 98,000 miles, um, I'm going to find something wrong with that thing, you know? <laughs> so, hey, yeah. and, and speaking of that, that that um, that Edison, okay, now no, having that Hyundai like that and the Edison you were talking about the other day, and then we've in the past talked about having the solar panels on your trailer and then like even a battery in, you know, on the, on the, underneath the, the trailer itself, if you're pulling one trailer or a couple that, you know, you can, that will get charged with or just, what well, just sit there. But I think you're, I think you're missing, you know, missing the boat on, on over the road. Um, because you don't need, you don't need that big old huge ass cat, um, engine to charge a alternator to, charge those batteries so, so I, i'm thinking this an in between like a, hi, a hybrid truck well here here's, uh, will work what, do, well, what are you guys thinking of course it will work i mean i am not mm -hmm. worried that this vehicle's not going to go down the road and pull freight it will i get i understand how the whole hybrid thing works here's my concern show me cost why do i care if this works if it's just a really expensive option and nobody's talking about the cost of recharging, what electricity is going to cost. Are they going to start taxing the electricity for road use the way they do fuel? Yes, they will. Eventually, the government is going to say, look, we're not going to let people keep using electricity and we don't get any road money for that. So that I, I'm not concerned that this doesn't work. It works. But why do I want it if it's yeah. more expensive? Well, it, 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 you know, I... Uh it will, you know, like everything else, it probably will be at the start. And um, it, with the government um, in there, you know, uh, throwing the subsidies at them and all that bullshit, uh, it's, it's, it, I, I think the, I think the private market will eventually figure something. I mean, look at locomotives, you know, Here's I, a, I think eventually. If it saved a little bit of money, if somebody could prove to me, look, this hybrid will have a lower cost of operation initially than your diesel will. You're going to save some money. And if they could prove that nobody's showing the numbers, and they can't, we don't know what electricity is going to cost. We can, we can go by what we're paying for it now. That's going to change drastically. Um, so I'm guessing there I'm taking a risk. But here's another risk. 
I know with today's trucks and engines exactly what I'm going to have to replace when and what it's going to cost. Not exactly. I shouldn't use that word. But I know all I have to do is take reasonable care of my engine today, and it's going to go a million and a half miles. And it probably won't even be using any oil anymore. I mean, that's how good some of these new engines are. I do know mm-hmm. on, you know, Freightliner, I may have to replace my one box between 800000 and a million. If I really take care of my emissions, maybe not. But if I have to, I know probably when it's going to happen and what it's going to cost me. I have no idea mm-hmm. how long my batteries are going to last me and what they're going to cost me to replace. But from everything I can gather, it is going to be very expensive. Well, yeah, Kevin, right what now. I find interesting on this whole model, and I, I like to look at other industries to get ideas, and the railroads already went through it, and they went through a heavy amount of electrification, and they pretty well backed away from it in 1930, somewhere around 33 is when they quit massively expanding it because they found it more effective to generate the electricity at the source of the locomotive instead of sending the electric to the locomotive. Right. Right. That's and, right. And, yeah, and, and the and, infrastructure hasn't changed much since then. And, and that's also why people also say, well, diesel electric works on trains. Why not trucks? Well, well, trains and trucks are two completely different things. Yes, they might have wheels. Yes, they might move a bunch of goods around. But that's where the comparison ends. The diesel electric has been proven in trains. It works. It's efficient. It has not been proven in trucks. It fails almost every time somebody tries it. Yeah, I don't know anybody that's gone uh, this route necessarily. It, Which it's route? It's either one or the other. It's either No, that is not you know, true. Uh, I can give you examples who, from who? 15 years ago. Companies trying to build a diesel electric truck using a six or seven liter diesel engine to generate power, to turn a generator, to charge batteries. It is not efficient. You are converting energy too many times. Every time you convert energy, you lose energy. And in this setup, Mm -hmm, there is too much conversion going on from internal combustion to electricity, from DC to AC, from AC back to DC. It it doesn't work. Yeah, well, that was where the difference is, Kevin. To me, where the difference is on the railroad example. They don't store the electricity. They're, they don't have batteries. Right, right. They're, they're it, not storing it. it yeah. It's so, as needed. So I shouldn't say it doesn't work. It works. We can put a vehicle on the road, and it will go down the road, and it'll work. It will deliver freight. My concern is cost, and I don't like the cost well, I'm seeing on these vehicles, and I would not be willing to take that risk in my business. What, yeah. what the thing of running a diesel electric like the railroad does that gives them a great advantage for moving the kind of weight they do, it gives them an infinitely variable gear ratio because it's not tied to a gear ratio. Right. Right. They're, look, one I, to one. I, I think people will remember. No, no, it's whatever they want it to be. Right. I think people will remember 2017, 2018. I, I was pretty excited about electric coming into trucking and vehicles. I still could be. We have to get rid of this mentality that it's all or nothing. You know, states like California, again, saying, oh, by 2040, you're not going to be able to buy an internal combustion engine. Why not? Why can't we keep that option as long as the market wants it? 
Go ahead and build electric vehicles. If people want them, let them buy them. Get rid Mm -hmm. of the tax subsidies, in my opinion. No tax subsidies. Build all the electric vehicles you want. If people like them and they and they work, people will buy them. But why can't I keep buying my internal combustion engine if I want to? And, and on a post that I did not long ago, Kevin, sometimes electric vehicles are exactly the right way to go. Absolutely. The, I, um, yeah, I look, agree with look, that. Look at the lunar, the lunar lander mobile that they drove around on the moon. They didn't even consider internal combustion engines. <laughs> yeah, that would have been tricky. You're right. The, the electric was so much easier to solve in a situation like that. I even said yesterday, it would make a lot of sense for me if I wanted to have an electric vehicle, put solar at home with my own charger, I would never ever have to charge anywhere other than home. The way I use a vehicle when I'm around the home, I would never have to worry about range. And the only time it would get plugged in would be in my own garage and a lot of that would be solar. That sounds pretty darn good to me. Some of my energy is free. And that's the perfect application. Yeah. In the summertime, we have unlimited sunshine for 90 to 100 days. No rain, no clouds. That's our summer here. That's why I love it here. All those months, my energy would be free. I'd be getting more solar than I would need for the amount of time I use a vehicle. Range would not be an issue. In the wintertime, I'd get a little benefit from the solar, not a lot. But again, I'm not using the vehicle a lot. Range would not be an issue for me. It'd be very convenient. There's my car. Some of my energy is free. I never have to go to the gas station again. I I probably should do that. It wouldn't save me any money because of the cost of these electric vehicles. But it would be pretty darn convenient for me. And I thought about doing it right up until the time the government started pushing this so hard. And I said, no, I'm not going to play that game. Well, with the subsidies now, there would be a, probably um, a, a lot, a lot cheaper for you, and it's a perfect application for it. Where right. you know, in your in your situation, yeah, absolutely, perfect, really is. And I am a fan of electric vehicles; they're pretty damn impressive. When you look at all the oh, possibilities, yeah. when in building an electric vehicle, you're not restricted by shape size the way we are when we have to build an internal combustion engine. That engine takes up a lot of room. The cooling system takes up a lot of room. We have to have radiators up front to catch air, all that stuff. All that goes away with electric. We have ultimate control over our wheels. Every wheel can be doing something different. Traction control, steering and I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things we can do with these vehicles. I absolutely love electric vehicles, and the government has completely turned me away from them now. Look, look at how well an electric forklift works compared to an internal combustion-powered forklift in most applications. Yep. Not every application, but in a large portion. Electric forklifts have proven themselves. and Absolutely. You know, there was a time that that wasn't, but... And, and if they keep improving the electric vehicle on the rate that I still remember when my boss, where I used to work at Grinnell, bought me a battery-powered drill that was a joke. You were lucky if you could make one hole with it before it <laughs> ran out of charge. <laughs> right. right. And when you look at how good they are now. You, you know another the, goofy application of electric? Do you remember some of the electric lawnmowers that were corded? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We, 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 yeah. we had a corded Wasn't that weed whacker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good idea. Uh, yeah. So, 
I can mow. Right. I can mow a quarter an acre with my electric mower. Two batteries. Oh, a quarter of it, an acre. It, my electric mower that I have now, I absolutely love. I have an electric snowblower now, too. And it's fantastic. It's much better than gas. I, I, I am in love with all of my electric tools. I love my electric impact gun instead of air. I, those are all... Now, I will say this, and this is one of the other things that makes me very leery of the electric cars and the cost. From If you read... The material about these battery-operated tools and, and, you know, garden equipment and all that stuff. And, and it makes it look like that battery should be able to re- be recharged like 10,000 times. Well, that's absolutely not true. All of the original batteries I had for, like, my DeWalt stuff, all of my original batteries died. And I can tell you I did not charge them anywhere near the number of times they told me I was going to be able to. So I have been replacing well, you know, more batteries than I thought I should have to. And batteries you, you are know, expensive. You know what I did? I, I went with Rigid, and I don't know if they're still doing it, but last year... They were including their batteries in their warranties, lifetime warranty. Wow. So if your battery went shit, you got a new battery. But I haven't but, used them enough to, to, uh, to uh, take advantage of it. You know, you have to, it's a pain in the ass to get them registered and whatnot. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, and, and, you know, rigid, and I'd say it's a step down, but I figured with the, bat, with the battery replacement, damn, I'm just going to, you know, go that route. Yeah. Well, well, I use my garden stuff a lot, and I have I, I've I've had I've lost four batteries already in the last couple of years, and they're not cheap. The battery is more than the tool. The battery is no. more expensive than the tool most of the time, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how we'll see if they honor that. You know, bridge will probably go uh, bankrupt just like uh, um, Cummings will because yeah. all the states will sue him, like you guys were talking about. But you know, and what's the reasoning behind behind all this AB five and what you're talking about, Kevin? Three years ago, when Biden got in there and he started changing all these rules, we're you know uh, we were trying to figure out what uh, what's the end game here, and it's just to I mean look at the open border, it's just to destroy this com- the country and uh, start over new with their with their uh, new idea of the new the, socialism or communism or whatever they want to call it. The Great Reset. It's all about power. The Great Reset. Yep, yeah, you are right. You know, hey, we yeah. got we got to move along. Um, lots of calls today. We're going to go north of the border this time. Colin, welcome. Good morning, guys. Hey, uh, I had a comment about how we're always trying to figure out the calculation between Celsius and Fahrenheit or miles and kilometers. So today... It's really easy. <laughs> minus 40 Celsius is the same as minus 40 it's Fahrenheit. So Interesting. I didn't have to do any math this morning to tell you how cold it is up here. Nice. Yeah. So what's the temperature? Um, <laughs> uh, right now, the dash is telling me it's minus 35. It's warmed up a little bit. Oh, there you go. It's a heat <laughs> hey? wave. Nice. So, um, But the load I have on, if the, if the system went down today, I'd be fine. I got 50,000 liters of diesel, so it could probably get me a little ways before I ran out. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just follow you around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might be the problem. I'd have to. Well, you'd have the cash. We could make a deal. That's right. Well, so I, I have two forms um, of payment in a situation like this. I have cash <laughs> and my Smith and Wesson. Oh yeah. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
Yeah. And I don't have a Smith and Wesson, so we could work together and get places. That's right. Yeah. So would that, Kevin, just to clarify, would that be payment or non-payment? Um, that would be demand for services. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah. huh. I got a my my aunt just bought one of those um, plug-in hybrid type thing, and she actually likes it because, like, if she's driving, you know, a few hours to the nearest big city, she runs it on gas only, and then when they get to the city, she can flick it over to um, to electric only if she wants to, and then in the town she lives in, she just puts it in a mode. It's electric only, and she can go three or four days, and the fuel gauge never moves. She just runs a thing on electric, and every couple of days she plugs it in overnight type thing. But, yeah. you know, the, you're absolutely yeah. right. The whole the whole electric thing, like, you know, there's if you're not on a fixed rate, your electric rate can vary. Like, it could double overnight and then go back down the next day and then triple the next day. It could go up and down. Like, who really knows? Right. And that's the thing they started they started a thing up here in Canada. They actually have to, I don't know if it started or it's voluntary, but they're actually starting to post what the price is, like doing a compare a price comparison at um, the charging station. So you'd kind of, I don't know, I don't know much about electric vehicles to know how to really explain what that means, but they're actually having to put the price on now of what you're paying for it almost mm-hmm. before. Because a lot of times you... You plug in and it'll say, oh, well, $50, and then you sit there for an hour or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's a... It's a well, here's... Uh, I think one day we'll be all electric at some point, or at least my great-grandchildren will. No, I, I believe that, too. <laughs> I, I'm I, not too concerned yet. Yeah, so. I, I believe it, too, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. I like a lot of this stuff. I, what I don't like is the way the government's going to screw it up. They already are. Here's why... Here's why that you might not know what the char- price of charging is going to be until you're done. You're sitting there long enough, the price might change on you while you're charging. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, if somebody else pulls up, maybe there's surge pricing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Hey, have you that, reached you know, out to the guys at Edison Truck yet to bring them on your show or no? I, I haven't, only because we are, I don't want to keep making it sound like I'm whining or complaining or anything, because uh, I'm not, but we're, we're slammed. I, I, I have way too much going on at yeah. the moment, and it's probably going to be like that for uh, at least through the truck show uh, at the end of March. We, we've got a lot yeah. of stuff going on, so... Um, I, I'm really cutting back on guests and some other things right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you haven't had a well, you haven't had any this year yet. I don't think have you? Uh, <laughs> we may not have. No, no, and it's probably going to. I mean, we have a couple yeah. guests coming up. Uh, David Owen from Nastic is coming back. Um, it, part of the, what we're busy on, and, and you just haven't seen yet, we're bringing back rates and lanes with uh, Brent Hutto. We're bringing back Broker Connect with the TIA. Um, we've got a couple other show ideas we're working on. We've got the truck show coming up. We, you know, I'm doing the group coaching now every week, right. which is new for me. So, yeah, we, we just had to cut back somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Right now it was guests. All right, on. Hey, one last comment or question. I don't know if you might, well, you, I'm sure you know the answer. So back when you had, like, Trucking 101, whatever happened with those people? Like, are they, I'm sure they're still truckers of that. Do you have any connection with them? Like, Dale Howard used to do a really cool show. What do you know about those people? And uh... you know, uh, Dale. I haven't heard from Dale in a while, so I, I do need to catch up with uh, with some people like that. Um, 
I, I'm drawing a total blank on the woman that was doing Trucking 101 for us. I know she's still around. Oh, I think she is. I mean, we haven't. It's had... Rick and somebody. Rick and uh, uh, Nancy. I, Nancy? Uh, was it Nancy? And I, I don't remember. I believe, yeah. well, I hope I'm not getting confused here. I believe Rick died. I think I remember okay. five or six, maybe it wasn't even that long ago. Somebody told me he was in hospice. I forget what the issue was there. We had lost contact with several of those people. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah. Dale, I, I, I really, Dale's been a big part of what we did for years, CMC, the show. So I, I probably will be reaching out to Dale again soon. Nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed his show, and, you know, his little song was a little catchy, too, when it started out. That was yeah, right. fun. But, and then, uh, you know, being a 15-year a driver, like, listening to a show like that, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I didn't know that, or here's a new thing that I just learned, or, you know, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good. And uh, you guys have come a long ways. But it's kind of funny, listening to all the technical issues they had back then, and you still throw them in once in a while for old time's sake or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and that's another All right, guys, big great show. And um... yeah, we'll uh, we'll cut you loose. That's another big time drain for me right now. Is all the testing and technology issues. Testing is one thing we knew we were going to have to do that. Dealing with all these technology issues is another. It, and I believe some of our internet problems have come from uh, a lot of what's going on in our internet and and cyber attacks and. Uh, we are seeing more internet issues than I've seen since I've been on the internet, which is like 30 plus years now. I, I don't know why the internet is worse now than it was 20 years ago, but some days it is. All right, let's uh, let's go to Wisconsin. Jeff, welcome to the program. Morning, fellas. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I called last week about uh, I'll refresh your memory on the truck. It's a 2019 Cascadia. Got 625,000 miles on it, and it's got the DD15 400 horse DT12 216 ratio. And you answered a lot of my questions last week, but I so my the guy I'm working with, I think he might have misunderstood me. I don't know. He he only got me a one page ECM report, um, so I do have that. If somebody could maybe get some information off of that, if Henry could tell me a little bit about that. Um, guy, the guy's a good guy. First guy, first guy I ever talked to that uh, you know was interested in the the fuel economy. He he knows who Joel is. He knows who Henry is. You know, it's followed them some on their information or whatever. But uh, so, anyways, We're, I got this single page. Can you send that to us? I can. Yeah. Uh, send it to support at letstruck.com and put attention, my name on it. We should be able to grab that here in a couple minutes. Yeah, that's pretty nice specs and, you have and there. Jeff, here's what I do. How, how about if I put you back on hold while you do this, and I'll grab another yep. call? Okay. Yeah. That way you can That'd focus. Yep, I'll do that. You can focus on that. Uh, uh, Morgan, if you could have somebody monitoring um, that email and <laughs> grab that for me when it comes in. Uh, or Morgan, if you want, go ahead and put him back in the queue and figure out how you want to do this. You could do that too. Uh, in the meantime, we will go to. Oh, a call just disappeared as I was looking at it. Um, we will go to Illinois. Bill, welcome to the program. How y'all doing? Good. Kevin, here's a little tip: don't don't put your location next time because everybody knows that you got a lot of cash. 
Yeah, you know, I thought <laughs> about that. Know he has plenty of bullets. Yeah, that's exactly right. I thought about that, and yesterday well, I was just. Uh, I, hope, I hope you're a good shot because five thousand dollars, you get some crazy fool up in there. They're, they're liable to do anything. So yesterday I was talking about that. That you know, we somebody asked me about doxing, and I talked about swatting and things that yeah. you know, words and things that didn't even exist a couple of years ago, and. Somebody asked me once why I post where I am all the time when I'm on the road, where I am, where I'm going. The pictures I take, I don't delete the metadata. So if somebody knows how, you can take one of my pictures and know exactly mm -hmm. where it is. Uh, GPS. I, I don't care. I, I'm not going to live my life hiding. And, and I, I just don't oh, care. I know. If, yeah. And the same thing here. Yeah. Yes, I've got cash. If you think you can take it away from me, go ahead. <laughs> Anyway, now, Dollar, like, my wife, she's from the Philippines. We got a house over there because once I retire, we're moving out of the country. Everything's 100% solar at our, our house down there. Now, here, here's the thing that I got a question about. They're pushing for outsourcing, but yet her sister works in a call center that every corporation you could think of underneath the sun is there. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be feasible to just have a flat tax, lower everybody's total cost to include business to bring the jobs back to America? I agree. Not a flat tax. I do not like the flat tax or a sales proposal. tax? Fair tax. Sales tax. The fair tax oh, fair specifically, tax. which is a national sales tax. The yeah. flat tax proposals do nothing to eliminate the IRS. They don't change mm -hmm. Social Security and Medicare withholding. There's a whole bunch of things the flat tax does not do. The fair mm -hmm. tax goes way farther than a flat tax does. The fair tax eliminates mm -hmm. the IRS. No need for the IRS if we put a fair tax into place. That's big. A yeah. flat tax does nothing to tax the underground economy. All the money that moves hands, drugs, prostitution, stolen goods, black market, all that stuff, we never get a penny of tax from that entire economy, and that economy is big. The fair tax actually taxes that entire black market economy because all of those people spend that money. So the minute they spend it, they're now part of the tax system. There are so oh, what, many what? advantages oh. to a... Here's another big one. The issue we're talking about right now, so the, the independent contractor issue, a flat tax does nothing to change that. A fair tax makes it go away. There are no employees well, or independent contractors under a fair tax. You just go to work and you get all of the money you earned. No tax comes out of it. Social Security and Medicare are funded from the national sales tax. So now, mm -hmm. now, what do you mean I'm an independent contractor or an employee? No, I'm not. It doesn't matter anymore. So why doesn't the government just do that and just make it so much easier for everybody? I'll tell you exactly why. Because the people who would have to vote in a fair tax do not want a fair tax because it takes away their power. Politicians use mm. the tax code as a power base. It, it, our tax code is nothing more than a, a way to fund crony capitalism. If you donate mm -hmm. enough money to my campaign, I'll push for tax laws that benefit your business specifically. And that is a powerful mm -hmm. set of rules that the government, the politicians can use to gain favor and make a whole bunch of money. They're not going to vote for a fair tax that takes all that power away from them.
right. Well, that was just my two cents. All right. Four All cents right, now because both. of inflation. Um, hey, I just hung up on Alec. Sorry about that, Alec. I, I just, <laughs> he'll call back. Uh, I hung up on the wrong line. Um, and we're still waiting on that email to come in. So we will go to Wisconsin and talk to Jeff. And uh, hey, Morgan, be watching for Alec to come back in. It's a 303 number. Uh, I hung up on him. Uh, Jeff, it's your turn. Yes, okay. I'm, uh, I'm wondering if uh, Morgan got my email. I just sent it. Oh, okay. I picked. It must be Friday. I hung up on Alec, and then I wasn't going to pick your line back up until I had the email, so I put you back on hold. I got my lines all confused here. Uh, instead, for right now, we're going to go to Massachusetts till we get that email in. Todd, it's your turn. Hey, oh, Kevin, I got a question since, uh, about the Tesla battery, right? And um, we'll just pick the Model 3. Is that the most common test on the road? Uh, probably not the most common because that's one of their newer models, but it's their least expensive. Okay, well, yeah, let's go with that. And I'm just curious if anyone there you know from my first question is, if we were to put on a pie chart the energy that goes into that battery, say some from your wall, which we'll call coal, some they say is nuclear, and what is the other, you know, that's the word they use, other what that would be, what those percentages would be like, and is it sustainable? That's my first part. What, From what I can gather, and I, we're going to be off on the numbers because you can get different numbers from all kinds of different sources, but if I remember right, our energy grid, if you're just plugging into the wall, um, I believe it still is like 70 to 80% coal in most parts of the country. Okay. All right, so when... When you walk in, because they have it in a mall, the Tesla dealer, and, and the, the young kid there, he'll tell you, oh, no, it's mostly nuclear or other. And I don't know what he said other was. But how does it happen that you end up with nuclear, like the average home? Like, is that just bullshit or oh, no. what's going on? No, we, we, we have nuclear power plants all over the country. I mean, they're still there. We, we just don't build any new ones, which is a shame. I think we should. Oh, oh. But we have power plants all over the country. I have one upriver for me on the Columbia River. It's in Washington. Uh, okay, so then that's just fed into the grid, and when you plug yeah. it into the wall, you get the power. The power. Oh, yeah, okay. it, it, it's a, the energy grid is a mix. Nuclear is part of it. Coal is the biggest part. We have some wind. When you see all the, the, the uh, windmills, those are all feeding into the grid. Yeah. We have, natural uh, gas. we have natural gas. We've got um, water. Um, our, our little town of Cascade Locks, less than 2,000 people, and just a couple of years ago it was 1,000. Um, we had a little growth yep. spurt. We, we have our own electric company in that little town. It was, it was a big part of what I did when I was on city council. We set rates. We um, had to hire employees to work in the electric company. We had linemen. Um, we buy power from the um, the dam that's right there on the Columbia River. We buy power from them, and then okay. we resell it in town. So, yeah, the, our, our energy grid is a mix of, of solar, wind, coal, uh, nuclear, water. All of those things just feed into the grid. Okay. And, and how long? Because I, I really I don't ever see. I watch a lot of well-produced documentaries, videos, and 
some light reading on this. I, I don't get an answer to it. How long would, say, this average Tesla car, how long would that battery last? And what's the diminishing return, say, year by year? In you know, the first year, I get X hours out of the battery at X, For, you know, speed. First off, you know, the, long- the numbers are not going to be exact, not even close. Think of today if somebody were to ask me, um, if I buy a new Volvo truck, how long is the engine going to last? Think of all the variables there. I, I don't know. I can't give you a number. Yeah. I can give you some averages or ranges, but that's because we have yeah. decades of history tracking that stuff. We don't have decades of history tracking electric vehicles. We have almost no history tracking electric trucks. At least Tesla has been around quite a while now, and Tesla has proven a lot of things with battery cars. But that all changes when we go to trucks. It's a, and we know nothing about the trucks and how long batteries are going to last and what the cost of replacing them is going to be. We don't even know what the cost of electricity is going to be. We know it's going to be a lot like fuel, that it's going to be so volatile, we're going to need a surcharge. When we start paying for electric, it will be just like diesel. We'll need a surcharge because that price is going to change constantly. Well, and and Kevin, even when you say volatile, I remember my old electric plan that I had at my apartment. Weekends and nights were free, and I was only there weekends and nights. So, (laughs) yeah, for the most part, right? Yeah, these batteries. So, say, go ahead. Say I buy a forty. I don't know what they cost. Say it's forty thousand dollar car. It's Tesla. How long? An average. Say I have to replace those batteries in four years. How much does it cost? And you know, how, what what is that forty thousand dollars actually? Is it forty seven thousand? Is it worth it? Is it sustainable? That's my question. I I, I I don't yeah. know, and I don't trust anybody's answers because I'm not seeing. Um, very good answers on this. Um, I, you know, we can, I, there, I, I've looked this up before. Um, it, it, listen to this chart. It's hard to even understand this chart, but this is a chart of the cost to replace batteries on the different model Teslas. We got the Model 3, the one you're talking about. It's, here's what the chart says, $14,000 plus to replace the batteries. What's the plus? Wow. How much more? Um, but fourteen thousand yeah. dollars, the car only cost thirty-eight thousand originally. That's a big, big hit. If I have to replace fourteen thousand, and I'm not sure if that's total cost, labor, and everything, because it doesn't break it out here. Um, now, how long should it last? This is what I don't believe because my experience with battery-powered everything never lives up to what they tell me so far. They claim that that Model 3 battery will last between three and 500,000 miles. Yep. I'm not sure I believe that. Yeah, especially when you can get a million miles plus out of a, a good motor, right? I, I just, like you said yesterday, the rental fleets are dropping electric. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. I mean, wait, wait a minute. Again, yep, you just yep. mixed up cars and trucks. We don't get million well, yeah, miles yeah. out of a car engine. So if right. I, I, I don't know many car engines three that you can get pretty easy, three, you could probably do today. Right. So, and who replaces engines in cars anymore? Almost nobody. Yeah. I mean, that, that car's probably on its fourth or fifth owner. If somebody's actually replacing an engine, pretty rare. Right. Um, swap I, more than there's probably more swap than replace. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, you know, this, this tells me I'm going to be able to charge that battery 1,500 times before I have to replace it. Well, that's kind of like the tool that said I could charge that thing that many times, and I know I didn't come anywhere near that, and my battery's now dead. And when you plug it in on the 1,400th time, you know, you're getting one hour. Well, no, here, you're not getting... yeah, that's the other thing. As that battery deteriorates, you get less and less range. Now, that's not a big deal on my tools, but I've noticed it. Okay, this battery does not last nearly as long as it used to, but it's not a big deal because I just grab another one and slap it in there. You're not going to do that with a car. As it starts to deteriorate, now I have to decide, can I live with only 150 miles of range? Because they're still telling me my battery's serviceable, but that's all the range I'm getting out of it. Yeah. Kevin, and I think that's the big mistake that's being made on these electric vehicles. I don't think that the car owner should ever own the battery. I think they should have the refueling station be something that's under the car that when you pull in, much like an RC car, or remote control car, that the battery drops out. It gives you credit for whatever charge is left in the battery. It gives you a fresh one, and you're on your way. Your that... fueling time would be equivalent to that of an internal combustion engine, and let the the uh, energy suppliers be the one that owns the battery, much like propane tanks when you go swap them out. That, that was the model that Thor was working on. I don't even know if Thor is still around. I guess I could go look that up. Um, Thor has a, 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 an electric truck designed, and that was their model. They were hot swappable batteries. You would pull in somewhere and just swap a battery out and keep going. Now, that, that, that's a bigger operation than what it thinks. The truck batteries are going to be really, really big and really heavy. But they had a model that that's what... standardize the size and plug-ins if they did that. Right. But, you know, they, they managed to do that in the forklift industry pretty good. Yeah. How about um, all the, the rare earth minerals that go into these batteries? Is this sustainable? Like we've had gasoline, say, 100... 25 years or so. I mean, and most of these uh, minerals are coming out of China anyway. How, how, do, how does that look over the next 100, 200 years? I mean, as far I don't, as I, don't I know, understand how to- as far as I know right now, we cannot build an electric battery at all without China. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah. So I, I don't understand. You know, Elon Musk is supposedly a pretty smart guy uh, how does he see sustainability what what's going on that we don't know because i don't think he'd make that big i'd say a giga mistake if i'm using his language it didn't seem sustainable or even close to it well elon musk probably read the book that kevin just had us to read on yeah. what's going to happen with china <laughs> yeah um here's yeah. here is what i think is the game changer on all of this. And I, I believe that this is probably what Elon Musk is thinking as well. And he's way ahead of his time. He always is. Uh, solid state batteries. I think that's the game changer in everything electric. And there are companies that are close. Panasonic says they will build a solid state battery. Solid state batteries don't. That, it, are, 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 how computer nope. literate are you? Um, I know enough to know that silicon is solid state. Yeah, silicon it's is basically chips. sand. It, 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 we're talking about storing data on on electric 
chips, I don't know if that's the right word, rather than a physical hard drive. This is the best analogy we have. We already made this transition and most people didn't even realize it happened. Do you know why computers and phones and that keep getting smaller and smaller and more powerful? One of the reasons is data storage. We used to have to store things on physical hard drives. They had disks, multiple disks stacked up, and we would write data to that physical disk as it's spinning 20,000 RPMs. Physical hard drives yeah. were complicated, sensitive. If you dropped your computer while that disk was spinning, you would destroy your disk. Those yeah. physical hard drives have been replaced by an electronic chip that has no moving parts and stores data without that big physical hard drive and no moving parts that we went from a physical hard drive uh, to this this electronic chip much much smaller much simpler no the very few materials used to, as compared to a hard drive so that became a solid state drive that that's the best analogy we're going to take these batteries that use exotic metals and acid and lithium and all these other crazy technologies and they're heavy and yep. expensive and they it, the other thing about solid state batteries they virtually never wear out right no moving parts they're really yeah. light they I, have no moving parts they don't have exotic metals they hold more longer they they, they are a whole new world when it comes to battery and I think that's the game changer. And I think that's what Elon Musk is looking forward to. He believes we could electrify just about everything. And and you speaking well, of which, do you know what will hold the most data of, of any material? I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this one. I don't know. Uh, if you've never heard, it's quartz. Okay. Just the common quartz, like you kick out of your backyard. It will hold more data. Now, I don't know if it will store energy, but, boy, that would be a solution because it's so common as common as silicon, I guess. But yeah, quartz, if, if you look that up, it, it terabytes is a small number. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just about infinite with uh, quartz. And anyway, I just have one other question for you guys. Um, so if you have a, a Model 3, whatever, Tesla or a truck, and you aren't able to plug it in and it's cold out, are you screwed like wet acid battery screwed or what? Cold definitely affects all of our current batteries. All the exotic metal batteries, lithium ion, lithium iron phosphate, cold and heat affect them both negatively. So you lose range. There's a wide range. How cold is it? There's all kinds of factors. But yes, as the temperature changes, your range is going to change. So they have some redundant starting the car then if it was, you know, well, wait, you, you, you know, we have to. Like, there's really no such thing as starting an electric car. I, I, I guess there is. I guess you're turning on the switch. But it, it you go. It, it, it's not like an internal combustion engine where if it gets too cold, we can't get the fuel to ignite. The f okay. energy will always flow out of that battery. We just get less of it. There, there, there should be, like, zero starting issues. So, all right. Yep. All right. So it's just a new technology thing I hadn't put, I had no idea of. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. Um, it, it, well, you know what? That, that is one of the things I like about all my garden tools. 
some garden tools are still pretty darn hard to start. You know, you, you're pulling on your, your leaf blower. blower over, your <laughs> snow blower, your chainsaw. Um, all of those things can sometimes be difficult to start, especially because a lot of times we don't use them. They sit around. Then you go to start them up. They're hard yep. to start. That's never, ever an issue with the electric. You stick the battery in, you hit the button, and it works. Hmm. Yeah, wow. I never, yeah. you live and you learn. Huh. Yeah, you know, especially now, Kevin, when you let that stuff sit now with the ethanol in the fuel. Yeah, that's even worse. So, again, I'm, I'm a huge fan of electric. There are tons of advantages to this technology. That's why it pisses me off so much that the government's just going to totally screw it up. Well, what, what can you, like, I don't know, extrapolate out of the, the rental market dropping electric based on consumer demand? I mean, isn't, there a, isn't that going to trickle over into other industries, and will the economies of scale be there to incentivize manufacturers to so far, so far, everything about this new green electric push it has failed. The car dealers are pissed off that they're being forced to inventory these electric cars that nobody wants to buy. Hertz is already turning over 20,000 of their mm-hmm. electric vehicles. They're, they're getting away from it because nobody wants to rent them, and they're finding out they're more expensive to maintain. That shocked me. I honestly would have predicted that right off the bat they would be less expensive, but they're not. Just because of the no moving parts thing alone. They're so simple. Electric vehicles compared to internal combustion, so many fewer systems needed. And yet all the data coming in right now said, nope, sorry, these things are not cheap to repair or maintain. Yeah, well, I... I don't care one way or the other. I don't see myself buying electric. I, I guess a lot of people feel that way. I mean, not that I want gasoline to go on forever, but, you know, there are advantages, I think, uh, w- with my hand tools, like you say. I was laughing when you mentioned the lawnmower that was plugged in. So it's just a goofy tech so far. I mean, that's some promise. But, I mean, don't forget, I mean, isn't that a Toyota working on hydrogen or water? I mean, I mean both- that's not not. Both Toyota and Honda have put a lot of... Toyota was working on a a true hydrogen engine, not a a hydrogen electric, just a true hydrogen internal combustion engine that runs on hydrogen, Mm -hmm. and the only byproduct is water. They have been working on that, I'll bet, 30-plus years. I'm pretty sure I remember reading... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember yeah. reading even, about that. Even in longer like than that. Pop, yeah, maybe yeah. 40 plus. I'm, I'm thinking I read about this when I was a kid reading like popular science and popular mechanics. <laughs> well, you and I must well, have read the same magazine, with that, yeah. Kevin, that, <laughs> yeah. that I thought was odd that the, the, the Cummins engine for carb on the hydrogen engine, it wasn't green enough because of the slight amount of oil that got past the rings. Unbelievable. Yeah, so we, we may see hydrogen internal combustion engines. That may be a thing. Wouldn't that wipe out Tesla? Like, like to be a the woolly mammoth? I mean, I, to me, you know, if you're a green little Nazi out there, you well, want wait, the hydrogen. Wait, you don't want well, the I, I don't know. Where, where do we, and I know it's not hard to produce, but you still have to produce hydrogen. Or if they make it on just water and the separates it from the hydrogen. I, I, but that, what, hey, that. hey I wait a minute. Hold on. What does that require lots of? Energy. I get you. Uh, not just yeah, energy, electricity. <laughs> What's that? Electricity, specifically. Sunlight. To split the molecules. Um, 
I tried. I I experimented with hydrogen injection on a diesel engine. You're running it on diesel, but you inject hydrogen into the combustion chamber with the diesel. And on paper, it works. The reason it doesn't work in the real world is all of the energy conversion again and all the problems that get created with this. First off, I need a big supply of distilled water. Then I need a bunch of electricity to convert that distilled water into hydrogen. It's a lot of electricity. The first week we tested it, I killed my batteries. We had to put a bigger alternator on the truck to finish the test. Okay. And it was a total pain in the ass trying to keep enough distilled water in the system. Yeah, I think there's some problems with porting around that much hydrogen if you could get it, right? None of these things are going to be easy. That's why we should not be trying to abandon the diesel engine right now. It is the most efficient form of propulsion that we have. Per per ounce, yeah, whatever it is, yeah, yeah, definitely. I I just uh, you know, this whole green thing. Uh, I just, uh, you know, people want to do it. They want to jump on. I'm like, oh, my car is quiet. It's clean, but it's not. It's just you know, ultimately. Cause no, wait not, a minute. It might I, be quiet. It, it is quiet yeah. and clean. And let's say this. I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I see all these memes okay, where yeah. you've got an electric car. And while it's plugged in, they're showing a power plant in the background and smoke is billowing out of the smokestacks. And the the idea is, look, we're not cleaning up anything. I'm not completely against this concept, even if we use coal-fired power plants to charge electric vehicles. We're at least taking all of the pollution and putting it in one place where we can control it better. Now, the electric vehicle that has no emissions while it's out on the road, I'm not calling it emission-free. Somewhere back there, we're producing power, and we have emissions. But that's still a better system to have emissions in one place to be able to control it rather than every single vehicle on the road putting out emissions. Yeah, it's, you know, they have these bacteria you can release on an oil spill that will eat up a lot of the spill. It's a wonder they can't seed that in the top of a factory that billows out the smoke and make, you know, some design that would make that useful or make it inert. But uh, anyway, I understand concentrating it into factories and instead of millions of cars and millions of... Well, and, and we, we have pretty darn clean coal plants these days. So I am not against charging electric vehicles with coal power plants. I, I still think there's a, there's a place for that. All right. Um, I now have the ECM report, so we are going to go back to Jeff in Wisconsin this time. Um, Jeff, I'm just going to look at this real quick and see if there's any reason for me to send this to Henry or not. Um, All right. Wow. Uh, Henry, uh, how would you... Yes. Oh, wait a minute. No, there's there's a huge problem with this report. Or do I have it all in here? Hold on. There we go. Okay. Um, It's a trip report at the top. I have and the trip was only 172 miles. Yeah, that's not a very big sample size. That's not a that. But then we go. The next section down is total distance. So 621,000 miles. 
total time. Okay. We have all the hours here. Overall fuel economy, 7.95. I, I, I'm pretty happy with that when I'm looking at a used truck. Um, that's a pretty solid yeah. number. Uh, so then we start looking at, are there some things that we're not all that happy about? Um, idle time would be a big one. I'm trying to find, see if I have total idle Start time. Over to the right. Uh, let's see. I have optimized idle time zero. No, it's on the right side, and it, it won't be optimized idle. Right. Now, I'm, not, I'm not seeing just total idle time yet. Yeah, it's right, right below the total. Oh, wait a minute. Idle time. There, on there, the there we go. Idle time, and what I'm really looking for is idle percent, 14.7. Let's call it 15% idle time. Um, better than a that lot. That isn't of, too bad from what I see out there. Right. Better than most of the used trucks you're going to find coming out of fleets. Not as good as what I'd like to see. I love when I see under 10. Uh, but 15 wouldn't scare me away. Not at all. Um, what we're probably not going to see in here that I would like to look at would be, uh, oh, no, maybe we do have them. Hold on. Regens. Here we go. Um, parked regen time. Um, looks like it's right around six hours. That sounds pretty low. For That's it. not bad for that amount of miles. I've never done miles. a parked regen except for when they did to do a fuel mileage test. So again, I'll, I'll say that this is better than most trucks you're going to find. It's not the, the, the perfect one like Henry's, no parked regen time. That would be awesome. But six hours in 600,000 miles is not going to scare me away. So it no. says 17 hour every 100,000. Uh, here's, here's another, um, Henry, tell me, I, this seems good to me. Um, this is kind, I think this is kind of an indicator of how hard the emission system is working to clean up the after treatment. How hard is it working to clean up the exhaust? Um, the DEF economy is 191 miles to the gallon. That sounds pretty good. That's isn't about it? right. That's the, what the, I thought. The, the, the question that I have on there is it'll have the amount of regens it's done, which is passive regens. And then divide that into the miles so that I can see how far out that is. Mine's usually right around the 7,500-mile range. I am, oh, parked. No, that's parked completed. It was 17. I know I'm looking for, I have driving regen fuel, but I don't have driving regen time. It should have There's the amount of them it did. 95, driving completed, 95. Right. So... Do the math on that to your 600,000. Uh, we'll call it 100. Um, what are we looking for now? So about 6,000 miles. A, yeah. Yeah, that's about yeah, right. About 6,000 miles, a rolling region. Yeah. Everything we're seeing yeah. on this report tells me it's significantly better than most fleet trucks. Not, not you know, if we were to pull Henry's report, this one wouldn't look all that great. But this is not a bad report at all. When you're shopping the open no, market, no this, this is a truck that there is nothing in this ECM report that would scare me away. So when it what, says what's the load factor on it? Uh, let's see. Would that be the average drive load? Yeah. 45%. Yeah. What, with, with the rear end ratio it has when they put the taller gears and it runs that number up. So... Back when we geared them lower, Kevin, 
that number would be down around 17. And what's real interesting is if you go into the load factor page on a deeper dive on the engine report, it breaks down how much you use 0 to 10, 10 to 20, 10, 30 to 40, et cetera, et cetera. And these downsped engines made it look like you have a light switch driver because it goes more often to full throttle when it has to hey. pull a grade because hey. it's geared taller. Here's a number I like. Peak road speed. Anybody want to take a guess? 65. <laughs> 72. <laughs> How about 91.5? Yeah. 81.5? 91.5. 91. 91. Uh, oh, they, they, they must have <laughs> opened up their eco. <laughs> Something happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah. They were, they were heading north on 15, uh, north of Great Falls, going down the slope, headed to sweep. To, there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to cross there. Yeah. That had to be an exciting ride. My, my, my old engine report, I used to hate to show anybody, but it was on a test track, and my, my, my high peak speed was 98. <laughs> so, Jeff, this, this, so let, me, let me go back to why we do this stuff or how we look at it. When I talk about the things like pulling a rig dig report, checking that, pulling an oil sample, checking that, pulling an ECM report like we're doing now, what I'm looking for specifically is something that says, don't buy this truck. I'm not looking that everything is perfect because you're never going to find that. What I'm looking for is something quick and easy that just says, no, don't buy this one and move on and go find one that doesn't have a reason not to buy it. So if we pull a rig dig, there's no title brands, there's no major accidents, there's no flooding, there, none of that big stuff. Well, well good, because there's nothing that eliminated this truck. I just move on. When we pull the oil sample, if I don't have a massive amount of fuel dilution, if I'm not seeing bearing wear, there's, there's nothing in the oil sample that says don't buy this truck. There's nothing in this ECM report that says don't buy this truck. That's what we're looking for. Now we move on to the next step. Kevin, one more thing to look at on there is over rev count. I don't think it's on this one. I was trying to find that, and I don't. I don't think I see that one. Uh, which, by the way, on, on the DP-12, the way to not have an over-rev, what I suspect people are doing that hit the over-rev, they're going along in cruise, they're above their cruise speed, and they're pulling their Jake onto high, which the message they sent to the truck was, throw the kitchen sink at it, and the momentum's already built up. It drops it two gears, goes to maximum Jake, but you already have momentum built up, and it takes it past that threshold just because of sheer physics. Yeah, Especially all, on the older models. All I'm really seeing on here is engine brake total time, engine brake revolutions, and average RPM on the engine brake. That, that's all I'm seeing on that. All right. Is that peak engine RPM 2493? Is that? Oh, where did you see that? Yep. Oh, that's, that is what we're looking for. I can't find that. Peak engine yep, RPM somebody, 2493. Somebody did that once. Yeah, they did. That's okay. It, it, exactly. You're not supposed it, to take it past 23. Okay. And and I know so of one that survived 27. But, and, and one time at that peak of 24 would not scare me away. We didn't do any damage in that little bit of time. Okay. The intelligent powertrain management says is used 2.14%. What What is that? So... 
the truck, when you have the cruise set, it's reading the road a mile ahead. What was your cruise percentage time? 64.7%. So the driver that was driving it, so there's fuel mileage left in this truck. So what happens, it, it takes off the tops of the hills and it fills in the valleys with the e-coast. So as you're climbing a hill, your cruise will say plus five, minus four. The minus four number is if you're within four mile an hour of your cruise and it knows it has enough momentum to let the truck coast over the top of the hill and use the back side of the hill to bring your speed back up, especially if you're coming up on a steep downgrade, before you get to the top of the hill, it'll quit pulling and go into e-coast. Well, what happens is, especially with company drivers, they learn that if they lightly put their foot on the throttle, it overrides that, and it sounds like that one was overridden most of the time. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, I got the, my oil is at Polaris. It got there this morning, so I haven't gotten that back yet. And then the rig dig was, there was nothing on the rig dig at all. Good. Good. And, so, uh, being you had the question of IPM, and there's other features yeah. in there like descent control and all, what I encourage yep. you to do is get the Freightliner Smart Source app on your phone. Mm-hmm. And then click on the menu, then it'll have training, click on training, then click on training by VIN number, put in the last six of the VIN number of that truck, and it will show you how all the features on that truck actually operate. Because there's a lot more there than most people know. Okay. Okay. And uh, one more question here. So, I mean, if my oil comes back good, I'm going to plan on buying this truck. But if it didn't, they've got some trucks there that's... 228 ratios. Can you tell me the difference between the 216 and the 228? Well, the 228 I'm not as big a fan of, nor am I of the 285 overdrive. And and I've labeled them tween. They're not horrible, but what happens is they're not really that good at being downsped, and they're not really that good at pulling. So it's in between, right? So what I found with the 228, and I had one, It'll hang in there a little bit longer in top gear when you're pulling a grade. But then when it downshifts, you're too low. What I like about the 216, if you're doing the direct drive, it doesn't hang in high gear as long. But when it drops down a gear, you're right where you want to be to pull the hill. Okay. So my my nickname for the 285 overdrive and the 228 has become tween, like, because it's in between. It's, it's, just, it's, it's at neither level. Okay. That being said, it's not an end of the world. It's not a deal breaker. It's just the 216 I find to work way better than the 228. Not way better. Just when I say way better, you know, yeah. two, three, Do they, ten. Does Freightliner put a overdrive in a 247? No. No. 261 okay. is as far as you can go right now due okay. to the depth of the first gear in the transmission. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I think that's all I got for questions. I sure appreciate your help. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's my, yeah, uh, my pleasure. Let's go to Florida. Tony, what's on your mind today? Going on, Kevin. What's on your mind? Yeah, I'm getting a terrible uh, reverb. And it's got to be on your end. I'm, it's not on ours. This is on the app, but if I end the app, all I'll be hearing is myself. So are you still getting feedback? Well, yeah. Let me. Wait, oh, wait. Yeah. Still got it. We are not spending enough time uh, talking about appointment times and scheduling, because like we're talking about. Uh, wow, 
Yeah, there's a lot of. Let um, me. I'm going to put okay. you back. I, it, it, it's almost impossible to talk when that happens. I'm going to put you back in the queue, uh, Morgan. See if you can figure that out, or if we he needs to call back, or what might be going on. Um, it, you can't talk with that kind of feedback in your ear. Let's go to New York. Rick, welcome. Hey, how are you, Kevin? It's first time uh, calling through the uh, push the call button there. Well, so, good. Uh, Glad to have appreciate you. Appreciate taking the phone call. Yep. Hey, uh, you know, uh, going back to car batteries recharging, I, uh, you know, I'm an uh, independent operator and with my own authority, and I'm sitting in a parking lot, and I'm watching a very scary thing when I see families, uh, women, you know, charging up their systems, you know, in their car batteries, uh, and they're vulnerable. And, you know, the way things are in different cities, highways, I'm scared for those families. And that would be my biggest deterrent to purchasing, a, you know, an electric vehicle at this time. The length of time that they're vulnerable to some violent attack, and I hate to say it that way, but, you know, you know I, I'm scared for them. You know, we've talked about a lot of issues around electric vehicles, changes a lot of things. I've never thought about this one. But you're right. That, that is a legitimate yeah. um, <laughs> Our world has become a, a much more violent place in the last decade, no doubt about it. Um, we hear these mm -hmm. stories all the time, stories we never... I, I, just this morning, one of the news headlines, some driver got shot yesterday and killed in a truck stop. Right. Yep, yep. So you're right, it, it is happening more, and I hadn't thought about that. That's an issue I've never heard anybody bring yeah. up. I was, I was actually scared. It was late at night. I watched a woman leave her car... Plugged in, obviously it was a locking system. She went in, and this was up upstate, you know, and uh, she got a coffee, walked back right across the parking lot. And uh, I just said a prayer, you know, and that would be my biggest deterrent to purchasing because of the time it takes, you know, to charge that vehicle. And what I do know is that there's different, you know, service increments. You can go on high, high speed recharging and low speed but it's still too long for somebody to be that vulnerable. No, you're, you're right that this is something that at the very least you, you should be thinking about. You know, when you pull in to get gas, mm -hmm. one, it's only going to take a couple minutes. Uh, and two, even in, you know, early morning in most places, you're probably not the only one in there. There's usually a, a little bit of yeah. activity around a gas station or a, or a fuel stop, whereas... A lot of these electric charging stations, depending on what type, you might be the only person there. Mm -hmm. And these yeah. gas stations well, at to, least... Well, not to dwell too much on the negative, though. Most gas stations at least have attendance. Somebody's working there. These charging stations don't. No. Yeah, good point. Scary, scary point. Second, second point, Kevin, um, uh, is a business question. As I said, I, I'm operating under my own authority, and uh, with that, you know, uh, this is our fifth year coming into filing our taxes as an LLC. And my wife, um, you know, who is not on the books, you know, but she does participate in, you know, compliant issues, you know, uh, for, you know, developing forms and, you know, pushing pencils and, and paper around at the office, um, you know, and it takes up a period of time. Is there a deduction without employment for family member uh, such as spouse uh, you know mother father sister brother when filing uh, your uh, business taxes if you pay anybody to do any work in your business that's deductible 
Here's where you got to remember, though. One, if you're, let's say it's your brother. You mentioned several different relationships. It, the relationships yeah. have nothing to do with anything. Your brother, if you hire mm -hmm. your brother or pay him, it's just like hiring anybody else off the street. Here's the thing. The money you paid your brother is gone. So, of course, you're not going to pay tax on it. But you also don't have the money anymore. So we don't want to do this just to get some sort of a tax break. If we need our brother to work for us, we're going to pay him great. But he's, he's no different than any other employee. The difference comes in, you mentioned your wife and you talked about that first. Yes, you he could does. pay her and the business takes a deduction. She has to now show that as taxable income. You haven't gained anything. She has. No. Okay. I thought there was uh, a threshold of sorts. No. You know, for no. a house. Uh, if you pay her $10, it is taxable income to her. Now, okay. Okay. She, she, each individual, there is a limit you could stay under to be non-taxable, except you two are filing a joint tax return. She's never going to be under that limit, even if we only pay her $10 because of all the other income you have. So there is no way to create yep. a tax advantage by shifting money from spouse to spouse. I get it. Okay. Some, somebody somewhere along the way, somebody was telling me that there's a, a payment, you know, a, an option there, and I said, "Well, I only know." Uh, let me give uh, my buddy Kevin a call. There are some advantages that we can work out. They're a little more complicated. If we need health insurance and we want our health insurance to be business deductible. Believe it or not, even though we're in business, if we buy health insurance for ourselves because we're in business or self-employed, believe it or not, we don't get to take a business deduction for that. I, that should have no. changed a long time ago. That's a stupid rule. I can only take a personal deduction, which means I lose about 15% of my tax advantage. The way I can fix that mm -hmm. is if I'm incorporated, we make... Either one of the, both spouses have to be an employee. But if we make one mm -hmm. of the spouses an employee, but not an owner, at least one spouse has to be an owner of the corporation, but only one. If only one is an, an owner, but both are employees, now the corporation, let's say you're the owner of the corporation. If you, if the corporation buys you health insurance, it's not deductible. That, that's a stupid mm -hmm. rule, but that's how it is because you're an owner. But we hire your wife. She can't have any ownership in the corporation. And if she doesn't, she's now like any employee. The corporation can buy her health insurance and she can put you on her plan because you're her spouse. I see that. I see the angle. So we can then make yep. both of your health insurance policies business deductible, not personal. Yep, I understand. Good point. Good That's point. one of the, I wonder, the, the you know, other uh, the other tax advantage we can create with a corporation. Let's say you want to build a shop for your trucks. You go spend mm -hmm. thirty or forty thousand dollars to build a shop, maybe more. Spending, you got to have a pretty big shop for a truck. Um, almost none of that is deductible. The land you build it on is not deductible at all, ever. The cost of the building gets depreciated over 39 and a half years. 
which means you're you're at a forty thousand dollar building, you get a thousand dollar a year tax deduction. You won't even notice that. The way we right. the way we deduct almost as much as we want is we have you as the individual buy or own the land. You as an individual pay to have the building built and then you lease it back to your corporation. All the lease payments are completely deductible to the corporation. I understand that. Now, you have to pay income tax on that lease payment as income, but only income tax, not Social Security or Medicare. So we we save that 15% by doing that. Good tip. Good tip. Well, that's it. I appreciate it. You know, I know you got other calls coming in, and uh, you answered those two questions very proficiently, and I always appreciate your time. You're welcome. And uh, we look forward to the next time. All right. Thanks for the call. I believe we've got Tony back. Let's see. Tony, is your uh, phone line working better this time? Hey, Kevin, that was the app. Uh, Sorry for sounding like an idiot. Um, But, yeah, we can have any kind of truck we want that goes super miles per gallon, I think we need to spend more time on appointments. But before we rip each other's head off, uh, like Dave McLaughlin calling me an idiot on Facebook over giving free advice about this, um, we, we can talk about IFTA too, because I did happen to do my IFTAs yesterday, and guess what I saw under electricity? Really? Is there something in there? I happen to glance. I can get it up for you. It's just on, you know, the surcharge rates. You'll see it. If you do your states, like, like you know, you're doing your IFTA, you'll see down there under electricity. It's not every state, but I saw something in there. It's very a very small surcharge wow. for uh, electricity. I'm like, is somebody actually doing their IFTA report and putting that number in because they haven't, like, a a guy with authority that has a Tesla because like, why would that be in there? But yeah, some of them are posting surcharge rates, well, but I unfortunately can't use it yet. And here's the thing. I, I fully expect that they're going to tax electricity. Anybody that thinks they're not going to is an idiot. They're going to, it, it will happen. And it looks like some States may even be ahead of the curve and they should be. I, I'm not against that. I, I get it. This is how we pay for roads. I would be against it if they didn't get on board with this right away. Because to me, if you don't put a tax on the electricity pretty quickly, pretty soon, to me, that is just another way of subsidizing electric vehicles. And I don't want to see that happen. I was exactly. going to guess that it's California, but I'm scrolling through the list here. I know I saw it under one of these states, but I might be wrong. I, I want to go back to the column. I want to go back to something There's else. Definitely the column, but I don't see any. Uh, I'm scrolling through it. Yeah, we're going to see that happen. Oh, I hope we is. see it. I want to see guess it. Which is the first state? Which one? You'll never guess it. Iowa. Electricity point zero two six. In, in the first line, and then point zero zero nine three on the second. I don't know if that's a surcharge or what, but uh, no. Iowa, and um, I don't know if we have time to go through the Good. entire. No, that's okay, because this is what I expect list. to see happen. It's what I want to see happen. I'm glad it's happening. Don't, don't subsidize electric vehicles by taking your time to put a tax on them. Get it in place now. We know it's coming. 
get it in place, charge these trucks just like we're charging diesel trucks. So I'm good with that. I want to go back to something else you said. You gave somebody some free advice about IFTA and somebody called you an idiot? No, no. And here's Pennsylvania with, with, uh, with more rates. Um, no. Um, I commented on Joel's, um, Joel's dispatch. See, I, I'm all about hate appointment times. Not just brokers, but I also hate appointment times. I, I waste a lot of time waiting for shippers. I think our maximized efficiency is not in this going slow because there are people that listen that are ripping their heads off. Why, why should we go slow? Because you'll never save enough in fuel uh, to make up for the lost revenue. You know, That's I get bullshit. that. And I'm that, in that, that is boat, total but I'm bullshit. To understand. People okay. can I made say a comment, that. People can say that. In all, hold on. Years, Tony, hold on. I have, Just my, because. The answer is the same. Let, and he called me a fool. Well, hold on. Uh, so you spent 40 years doing nothing and I'm a fool. Just so because said, people it. say you can't make up the revenue slowing down with fuel savings. They can say it all they want. I want them to show me the numbers, show me the proof, because my numbers will show the exact opposite that you can more. You know, one of the best examples, the best examples of this is Matt. Well, Matt drives slow. I would, I would just not let in, you continue. Get, gets incredible fuel again, economy out of an older of truck. Tony, Tony, you know I can mute you, right? Stop talking over me. Matt can show <laughs> that slowing down to get really good fuel economy doesn't cost him anything on the revenue side. He did 160,000 miles last year by himself. Slow. I know all that, but you know what Trump does with the mute button? Um, what about appointment times? We need, okay, I have Alec and Henry on the line. The, nobody knows more about scheduling, right? Probably than, probably than them. And they're on there maximizing the dispatch. I love that. But I, I still uh, contend that our money is made in scheduling and and having those appointments line up when you get there. So before Especially you ask with hours of service, before Alec and Henry okay. give, give their answer about <laughs> how they manage this themselves, Tony, I want to ask you a question. How do you want to see this work? Well, with hours of service uh, and it being illegal to drive pretty much all the time, I would like to see it that more is done about unloading and loading trucks based on our more, uh, our time schedule and not the shippers. More is done by whom? Who is going to do this? The market, but huh? it needs to be looked at by all parties and... By who? Don't say all parties. We, Tell me who needs to look at this. Well, I am. Okay, I'm fine with one, that. I don't take loads that deliver like three hey. days later when it only takes one day to get there. Hey, Tony, everyone you, you, does that. you just answered the question. Who's going to solve this problem? The, the owner operator, small fleet owner or driver who wants to solve this problem. That's who's going to solve it. When right. you say everybody needs to look yeah. at it, who? Who? I, I, I'm not going to try to force anybody else to look at this. How could you? Other than a government no, regulation, right. which I absolutely don't want. No, I am not asking for that. I, right. I don't not good at asking for help. I'm just like everybody else. Now, Alec and Henry are maximizing that, 
but I don't want people on here that, that don't know better to think that we're maximizing uh, our, our trucking efficiency by going slow only. Because well, what, I think Tony, the more stop. important factor stop. is this the makes, scheduling. Th- this makes me crazy. People do this to me all the time. All you talk about is speed. No, it is not all I talk about. I talk about rolling resistance. I talk about mechanical resistance. I talk about aerodynamic drag. I talk about engine tuning. I talk about lighter weight oils. I could go on and on and on. I've identified over 80 things that affect fuel economy. So when somebody says to me, all you ever talk about is speed, that's bullshit. It's not even close to the truth. Is just yeah, easy. and we know it's not. The, the people that listen know that, that that's not true. But those people that are just tuning in, you know, we got to baby them. And no, we don't. Right now, no, we I don't. Them, I don't baby them at all. About scheduling, I, I don't baby them at all. If you that tune in, gotta move. If you tune in to the show the first time and you don't agree with stuff I'm saying, call me and challenge me on it or change the channel. I don't care. Well, I'm going to be a little bit nicer because I was that person and I did want to change the channel, but I kept listening. So I hope they do the same. Me too. And like me, they'll learn something. Me too. But I'm not going to coddle anybody. (laughs) So let me chime in. um, As Joel's dispatcher, I'm keenly aware of how and why we do what we do. Yeah. Real quick, while you're talking, Henry and Alec, you guys keep things going here. I drank too much coffee this morning, okay. and I think the fire is, needs some tending, too. So I'm going to go tend to the fire. I'm going to tend to my own needs, and I'll be yeah. back. So you guys, the show's up to you right now. All right. All right. Thanks. I'll be back. Hey, uh, so on the speed, um, we do spend a lot of time talking about speed because that is something that we can control. And I'll talk about how we control it here in just a second. But that's something that's within our control that does not cost us anything to slow down just the opposite so as obviously with aerodynamic i would disagree with that where we go oh okay but we'll come back to that so well just the physics slowing down does save fuel unless you have a mechanical issue like a leaking charge air cooler or something to that effect so so that's just one issue now a lot of folks and i think yourself is going to suggest that if you drive faster, you can get you to your destination quicker. You maybe rest a little bit longer. Henry gets to go home a day sooner. And those things, Henry getting home a day sooner is not a financial decision. I am speaking for in terms of finances. So you may or may not be aware well, that we have well, a team adding, in adding to that, Adding to that, out, the getting home a day earlier cost me $70 in fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But, and I'm, you know, and I'm you're home willing a day to make early. that gamble. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you've run through the analysis, but to the to not just, um, you know, this guy's point, but a lot of folks on, on the Internet and the lunch counter and so on and Facebook, they say, well, you could get to the destination quicker. You can rest, uh, get a little bit more rest, um, or you can, you know, so-called drive more miles and therefore you boost your revenue. So I'll take that challenge. We've looked at those numbers. So just in the year 2023, the difference between our fuel economy and the average, we are 51% higher than the average truck. That's just under $20,000 a year, just on the fuel economy alone. In order to make up $20,000 of fuel savings, it's actually 19.5 in case you want to do the math. 
According to ATBS, you ha- uh, only 28% of your revenue goes to the pre-tax line at the bottom line uh, on your profit uh, P&L statement. So you would have to drive 68250 My, uh, You'd have to generate $68,250 more to get the same $20,000 worth of fuel savings. So at $2 a mile, you'd have to drive, what, 32,000 miles, or excuse me, 37,000 miles further a year. Now, how are you going to do that? The calendar is just so long. There are no more days or months in a year. So you are constrained. So that's I think that's one. pretty easy to do, um, but we are missing the time value of money here. In terms of uh, uh, net present value? So, yeah, what it looks like when a truck is going that slow on the road is that that driver can't doesn't get paid enough to go the speed limit. That's that's just okay. the optics stop, of it. Stop and right that's there. Stop, 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 stop. You are assuming that that driver gets paid so many cents per mile. We don't pay our drivers that way. It doesn't way. matter how much so, they get paid per mile. No, but hold on a second. Hold on a second. No. You're right. I don't have to. No, hang on, as in I'm going to explain something. Most of the drivers in the industry, company drivers, that is, get paid 64 cents a mile or whatever it is. An owner-operator gets a percentage of the load, generally. So It doesn't matter how much they get paid per mile because when they get there, they should get unloaded and go to the next load, regardless of... Okay. Hang on a a second. You're, 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 You're cutting off my entire point here. So... If there is a driver compensation program that is much more comprehensive and, frankly, sophisticated, we pay our drivers so many cents per mile plus so many uh, dollars per hour. So if he drives slow, he still gets paid. If he drives fast, he still gets paid. If he has to sit and wait, he still gets paid. If he's now in his bunk more than eight hours, he still gets paid. If he works over 40 hours in a week, he gets paid overtime. So I compensate my drivers for the job that they're doing for all hours work, which now is defined as of last week, all hours beyond eight hours in the bunk. He gets paid. If he has to pull over for inclement weather, he still gets paid. He gets holiday pay. If he does a 34 I need to hear more away from about home, unloading times. So what I think Here, he's getting into out he still gets, is... He gets paid. Uh, uh, I, I don't think he's talking about the driver. I think he's talking about as the carrier or as the owner operator what he's getting paid mm-hmm. and not and and losing too much dwell time at a shipper or whatever that may be. Okay. Yeah, I've yeah. got I've had my authority twelve years and I know mm-hmm. that the, the the major cost it does cost time to go that slow and you're we're not talking about that, but I'm here to say that I am. A lot of drivers out there are listening, saying these guys are completely missing how many extra hours, and I do go slow, by the way. My truck is not governed, but I'm listening, and I'm trying to, I did file my IFTA. I had 7.77 as my miles for, uh, per gallon of last quarter. Extremely proud of that, and I love the cost savings at the pump. However, I know how many more hours that costs me, cost, 
Uh, but it's hey, Tony. all because the only Tony. reason I'm doing that you're, is because the shippers are giving me time by not unloading the truck when I get there. You're, you're missing something. We, we so, can talk about they, appointment times yes, and all that. All that could be improved. I, I get that. But but nobody has ever told, given me a good way other than our own individual control. Work with shippers and receivers that fit into your schedule. That That's how you fix this. But when you say... I have to spend more time to make that more money. You're wrong. If we slow down and increase our profit, we can take more time off. We don't have to work as much or as long to generate the same amount of profit. Bingo. I don't, un- I don't so, understand what you're saying. How, how does that make uh, shippers and receivers unload the truck so that we can get on our no, next th- load and th- stay profitable? It, it, it doesn't. You're missing, you're missing doesn't. the point. My, the so, reason I don't talk about that's how the you major make major problem we have. But no, it's not. That's the biggest problem we it's have. Not. No, no, it's no, not. No, it's not. You're, it's you're, not. No. And, and here's the other reason I don't spend much time talking about what this. What am I missing? Because I, I don't spend time talking about this because there aren't any big ways of changing this. There's no big program or law or regulation or anything that's going to get all the shippers across the country to change this. Never. So why talk so, about right. it? So yeah, the way the Kevin, way you Kevin, change Kevin, it, Kevin to live with then the way you change Kevin, it is that. how you started. It's a you, problem we just have to live with. No, it's not. Kevin, it, no, it's not a problem that we have to wait a whole day to get unloaded. Isn't no, you, you that, don't uh, have to wait. Business? You don't have to wait you a made, whole day to you, get loaded. You are making it a problem. That's you chose pro- that. It's your problem. Correct. And you need to fix it. Correct. You chose that. So here's the issue. I don't see how that. Is oh, something that oh, I okay. did. Okay. Okay. Uh, here, I'm going to ask you to mute your microphone for By a second. By choosing that load. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Uh, uh, well, then okay. I just can't work because all the loads I, are like that. I, I am going to mute no, you. No. 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 Tony, hold on a second. Alec, right, go ahead. For... Kevin. Kevin, this is Henry. You know, the, the, to me, there's. It's it's not one answer. It's a general rule. I like it when I get on general dispatch for a change because I usually slow down because my speed's not going to make up for it. But the other part of this equation to cure that, and having done this for many years, having my authority since 96, I've built relationships. Exactly. At many of the shippers, I have the keys to the gate. <laughs> right. I put the trailer on the dock and I go to bed and I get there. So, so building relationships and having dedicated customers such as mine, yes, I can do my 27, 64-mile run that I'm doing this week in four days. Absolutely. I have to run Alec. the speed limit to do it. Alec, go I ahead have with... my 38, 40-mile run to Jersey. To be able to complete that legally, I have to run the speed limit. My other main run is 3,860 miles, and I can get it done in my 70 hours and home and not extend my restart out and make the extra money from it. But that, that being able to do that and accomplish that, much like with the brokers that we speak of or anybody else, I built relationships with the customers. Yes, exactly. And schedule my leaving time that I don't have that excessive dwell, but it, it can be done Alec, that way as well. Go ahead with your comment. Yes, sir. All right. So the gentleman complains that he uh, that the um, the dwell time at the shipper and the receiver is a problem and it's costing us some money. But what the the determinant is the money at the end. So. By slowing down, we save a lot on fuel. We have predefined routes, shippers and receivers. We have uh, what I call high-value dedicated freight that has pre-established appointments um, on both ends. Drop and hook, we maximize the team. So by slowing down, we can save uh, 
just last year alone, just on that difference, $20,000 worth of fuel. Right. But in order to generate that same $20,000 of fuel economy, we have to basically, according to ATBS, about three and a half times that. So we're looking at about $70,000 of revenue that we'd have to generate. Correct. So he's complaining about, you know, not looking at the cost savings that goes to the bottom line. He's focusing on, hey, I need to generate the revenue. He can get the same effect of that extra revenue by slowing down. And I feel for him because if I had to generate an extra $70,000, well, I wouldn't have to do it, but Travis and and, uh, Noel would have to run their their tails off, and I don't think they'd like it. There's not enough calendar days in a year to do that. So he's focusing on the revenue side and not on the expense side. The expenses go right to the bottom line, and you have to generate a lot more revenue to Correct. the same amount of that's exactly right that is generated if you have twenty thousand so, dollars of fuel savings twenty thousand dollars worth of revenue does not even come close to being equal like you said it's two and a half times exactly maybe another way to say this i'm just thinking it through in my head so he at least gets the concept Let's say we need to generate $1,000 of profit. That's our goal, just to keep things nice and simple. If I get such good fuel economy because I'm going slower, I can generate that $1,000 of net revenue on a lot less miles than the guy that's trying to drive faster. He has got to drive more miles to get the same net revenue. And he's got to drive a lot more. So I go out and drive slow and have more time off than he does, not less. Mm -hmm. That's right. Exactly. And so the whole shift, you know, when, when people are making these comments, they are just looking at half of the equation, right? They're just looking at the revenue side. Right. And there's, there's a lot that you can do by slowing down, by using NASDAQ's fuel purchase program, for example, or Landstar's Understanding or one of the other fuel tax. Com Data has a program. Right. You know, exactly. I mean, there's, there are just so many ways that fuel economy benefits the bottom line, and it's not just in the fuel. It's reduced maintenance, which is a huge number. Yes, um, not idling. Uh, I, I just did yeah. a report. You know, we, we used, uh, of all our engine time, 0.73% of our fuel goes to idling, and that includes sitting at stoplights and checking in at the guard shack and dropping in, hooking, and things like that. So a very de minimis amount we have in um, EAPU. So there are a lot of the things that can be done, not just driving faster, working harder. You know, that, that saying, you know, work smarter, not harder. He's doing it from the backward end of that equation. Well, yeah. Um, so hey, you know, hey, 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 hold hey, on. keep in mind, he hold said he he runs slow. He, he uh, has listened on that. He, so he, hold on, he he, he has, but he's missing the part about the revenue and the dwell time. So correct, like you said, we same as what uh, you do, Henry. You know, we've established relationships with Schneider. Oh my God, the cheap freight place. <laughs> well, they also have if you. If you have a relationship and you have a unique set of skills, you get the freight that does not ever see the light of day on that's a correct. board. Oh, yeah. And that's where, where we are. It's all about and building so, relationships. Right. Hold and on, I remember guys. me and you having yeah. this debate years ago, Hold, Al. Yeah. I, I uh, never yeah. drive faster oh, than I need to. <laughs> yes, I, right. I never Hold. drive faster than I need to to accomplish the mission. 
Perfect. Hold on. Exactly. I I muted Tony. I'm going to give him a chance to come back in and respond to what we've said so far. Tony, before you respond to all that, do you want to make a a comment about my ethics? Well, I was, uh, and thank you for finally reading my text. Yeah, I was uh, too busy fuming that you muted me and I couldn't talk, so I have no idea what was said, but uh, I think TJ will help me out in a few minutes. No, I didn't miss anything. You're you're outgunned and you're outranked um, in mathematics. I still fail to understand what I have missed in um, in appointment times and wasting money waiting to to get unloaded. Nothing. You're not missing anything. I agree with your your assessment of the situation that the industry spends way too much time sitting at talks. It's not efficient for anybody. I get that. As soon as somebody comes up oh, with God. a solution, I, I'd be I'd love to hear a big solution. But let's go back to your first comment. You called me and said, I want to find out how Alec and Henry don't how, how they solve this. That was a good question. Stop arguing with them. They're mm-hmm. trying to tell you how they solved it. And that's the only way we're going to solve saying- it. One truck at a time. We're not going to solve this nationwide, industry-wide. Never going to happen. And I don't want it to be solved. Here's why. This is a huge competitive advantage for people who know how to solve it themselves. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to. I'd like to see what Joel and and the other driver can do at the speed limit running that truck 24-7 with optimized dispatch, which does mean getting unloaded in 30 minutes and loaded in 30 minutes and zero Oh, uh, I would like to see I, the I, revenue on that because there are I, I a hell of a lot of question. drivers listening that are that are oh, going fast easy. to try to get unloaded early. No, this needs to be said for all of those drivers that are listening. Mm-hmm. They are wasting their their boss's fuel trying to get unloaded early so they can get more revenue. Correct. They are. I've said so, this, that we yeah. are we are one of the few industries that is so ignorant or lazy. I'm not sure which one it is. We have built a system that puts our two biggest costs in conflict with each other. I can't imagine a worse business practice than doing that. But that's what we do. We pay the drivers by the mile. We need them to slow down to save cost. And why would they do it? I've been saying that for decades. Kevin, I solved the problem that he said by my loading and unloading time is way over a half an hour. But it's also scheduled with my 10-hour break. Correct. Another way to That's solve good. some of this, right? Why is there a 10-hour break in a team operation, though? Henry's not a team. I'm not a team. I have a team. Henry's a single driver. Henry, Henry's the solo. In my situation, because we're a team, we focus, uh, I would say, 80% of our loads are dropping hooks at both ends. Perfect. So that that's how we do that. So to your question, in about a half hour, by the time we actually check in with the guard, they drop the trailer, find the empty trailer, hook to that, do our pre-trip inspection. It's, I'll call it 45 minutes, um, not quite a half an hour, but, you know, we do a thorough uh, pre-trip inspection because, you know, Here's- it, those are company trailers, and, and frankly, we were just a little bit more... Uh, yeah, there's not yeah, a, here's, there, if you're not going 70, you're wasting, uh, you're wasting time somewhere. No, you're not. Yeah. Why? No, Why? you Why are not. Why would we ever do that? You have this, this, this. We have to be there by a certain time. We get there early. We drop and hook. That's the we problem grab there. Empty, and, and we're out the, go, out the gate. 
You've got to wait for any whole argument. If we're to agree, we all have to agree that it's the only reason we argue about this is because nothing can be done about appointment times. No, no. Let me answer this. No, we don't have to. That's the major problem. I I will completely disagree. I will be going seven. Okay, let me ask you this. I have a question. If if uh, how would you schedule Joel? if his receivers and shippers would unload him immediately and without notice as soon as he got there? How would that change things? Why even go there? Because if Joel had that situation, no, it's not. Uh, Yeah, I hit the nail on the head. The industry will never have that. Nothing's going to change. He'd still go 57? Tony, stop. Tony, stop talking for a second. That would be mathematical malpractice if he went 57 in that operation. No, he would not. You, because you didn't even give us two factors that we'd have to know. What's the rate? What's the fuel cost? You didn't even mention that. They both change constantly. Depending on the rate and the fuel cost, your statement is absolutely wrong. Unless I'm missing something, it shouldn't matter. Yeah, of course it matters. Well, pay me 20, pay me, pay me 20 bucks a mile and fuel is a dollar a gallon and I'll run as fast as I can get away with. <laughs> I just exactly. said the parameters are the parameters are they get unloaded. Uh, the shipper does not close and it's first come first serve. Joel equals uh, five minutes of unloading and loading. But wait, I'm starting to see something. If the rate is 13 cents a mile now, right, that does not make. OK, mm-hmm. I'm starting to see the the yeah. importance so, of rate. But I don't think you're getting price. that rate of a rate and that you have to go price. You're right. Fifty seven. Both and that comes back to my argument that it looks matter. like you don't get paid enough to run the speed limit. And well, that, they that's may, an no, important factor. No, 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 no. Go back to go back to Henry's original. St- I mean, uh, Kevin's original statement. If he's getting paid twenty bucks an hour, I can bet you that he and I are going to be jockeying for position of who's going to get there first because we want to get unload. At that point, fuel cost, as far as I'm concerned, goes away. Right. It's, it's a de minimis. Number. Correct. Right. So it's- we're going to haul ass. We're going to go as fast as we can get away with. Yes. Maybe even faster. So rate and fuel price both have to be calculated in to know what the optimal speed to drive is. If you give me those two numbers, the rate and the fuel mileage, I can calculate the optimal speed to drive on that trip. The next trip, the rate and the fuel price are going to change. I got to do it again. Understanding optimal That's speed. Too simple for me. Is what is, I need is to be able to do it in in relation to when we, how long it's going to take them to unload, which is really not known. Like Joel said, he got loaded at nine hours early. Like, oh, what hold, if he hold knew on, that before? Hold, hold, hold on a second. We did know it before. So that was a drop and hook. It's not that we got loaded. The trailer. A preloaded trailer was ready nine hours early, right? So they were yeah, literally and that's why two miles around the corner, busting their ass. Tony, this is why. This is exactly why we don't. Us, I'll say we. The, everybody on this show on Fridays, because we talk about a lot of these issues all the time. This is why we don't talk about this as a problem. Wait times. I don't see it as a problem. I see it as an opportunity. I don't want it solved for the industry. 
I don't need to no, have it solved for right. the industry. I lose an right. opportunity. Keep going. This is it, like it, this well, is yeah. this, this is the same good. thing as well. This regulation is going to level the playing field. Hell, I don't want a level playing field. I don't. You know who benefits? I don't want it level. That's you know my who, opportunity. You know who benefits from level well, if playing field? You want to waste all day sitting behind a truck? Uh, I don't. We're not I wasting. Hold on a second. We're not. We're not wasting any time. We're not wasting any time, and we don't. We're not saying we're going to sit there and just deal with this. We're going to solve it. We've given, just like fuel mileage. How many ways can I improve my fuel mileage? 25 or 30, at least. 80. 80. How, how, many, how can I improve my wait times? How many? It's 25, 30, 40 ways. We could keep going all day long. Well, we built a relationship. Well, we decided to use a shipper that spots our trailer. We could go on and on and on about how we can save time. Yeah. That People to are me, out there saying there's no way you can change that. These company drivers, lease operators, no, they are not going to unload the truck. They're just having to sit there, and we're forced to go slow in order to make up that cost that we spend waiting. This is why I don't deal with company so, drivers. Not my issue. Yeah. I, I, that, yeah that's yeah, not I, my I issue. I agree. I can't solve this for them. I can't even give them many good ideas. I, I get why company but drivers be wasting fuel, are, are getting pissed off about this. to try and bust their ass to get their next load. Yes, they are. They are. And I don't but, care because I'm not. But, Tony, and I think that DJ's awesome? drivers are not the exception. DJ probably has a bunch of drivers out there that are doing the same thing. Of course they are. So what? As a fleet owner, I better understand that and, and figure out how to solve it for myself as a fleet. And there are ways to do it, even with company drivers. And, and Alec and Joel are working on those kind of issues of hybrid pay options. It, 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 ultimately, this comes down to this mentality of, and I'm going to say you have this mentality right now. You're shouting into the wind, somebody's got to solve this. You're going to be shouting that same thing 30 years from now if you're still around. Somebody is the person in the mirror. That's the only person that's going to solve these things. I think it's pretty clear I didn't ask for any help on this. You keep saying somebody has to fix this. Who? Well, we can get together and at least I don't want discuss to. it and realize the importance I don't want of dwell to. time. But, Why would I try to discuss here, here, something that would take away my competitive advantage, something I'm good at? I'm good at time management. You're better I'm, at waiting I'm and good sitting at, on your ass? No. Tony, you're not I, listening. I you're not listening. took 30 minutes. How would that change things? Tony, you keep saying Tony, I'm happy it sitting. It a lot. <laughs> you're, you're getting muted again, and next time you're getting hung up on. You, you're not listening. You're saying you're happy sitting around. The only time I would be happy sitting around is when I negotiated somebody to pay me sitting around. If they're not paying me, I'm going to figure out a way not to sit around. You keep saying you're happy sitting around. No, I'm not, unless I'm being no. paid. No. So you got to drop that idea that we're all saying we're happy sitting around. We're not sitting around. We solved that problem for ourselves. If I'm sitting, it's because I'm getting paid right. to sit. You know, it, and it, it, it could be a matter of, like Henry said, having a relationship. So he has the keys. So he's got a, been doing a, a run for so long. And I know another good friend of mine calling a certain commodity did the same thing. You know, having a relationship to get better, better freight that has drop and hook opportunities. I mean, it, it, maybe I need to talk to 
Travis and Joel about, hey, you're supposed to only be there for half an hour. Get, you know, get moving. Um, but they're not sitting. Um, exactly. You know, sometimes it's a drop and hook at the same facility. There are a lot of different ways of solving this problem. It could be that, hey, when you're negotiating with your shipper and say, hey, look, if they don't take me and we do get uh, detention, if, if things take a long time to load or unload, we do get detention. So um, maybe the problem is, as uh, Kevin put it, look in the mirror. Do you have a detention clause in your contract? You know, I mean, there are a lot of ways of handling it. That's what I mean. So just that, like, just like fuel cost, maintenance cost, all these issues around business. When I hear there's no way to fix this, not only is there not no way, there's 30 ways you could address this. But that is what makes somebody good at business or not. Being able to figure out ways to solve problems other people can't solve. When I hear, oh, well, we need a rule to level the playing field, all I hear is we need a a way to make the mega carriers richer and put the little guys out of business. Because that's what happens when you level the playing field. Right. You go to the least common denominator. That's not what we want. Not at all. All right. You guys be quiet for a second, and I'll be quiet. Tony, you get to respond now. Oh, I thought I was, because uh, I didn't hear it say muted. No broker contract will ever put in there, and they don't honor it if they do, that there's detention. Oh, uh, give me paid. a They're break. Extremely of course cool they do. It. Oh, no, no, no. Of course oh, they sorry. honor it. Again, if you have a good relationship and it's in your contract, I see it honored all the time. Well, everybody out there listening knows that's not the case, uh, but... Bullshit. Again, my, my, if, if you don't remember anything from what my call is about, just this one, this one hypothetical situation, how would it change things if shippers and receivers unloaded and loaded in a timely manner? And that means uh, I've had a truck loaded in five minutes. How would that change things? Rates would go down. A lot. Rates would go down. Good. Why is that bad? I think Joel would be at the top. I would be a close second after I get my Tesla. Or hey, first. hey, hey, hang on. I'm not first or second here. <laughs> uh, Tony, I, well, I don't even you know what. The same I, business? What, like the same. What are same you even company? measuring? What are you even measuring as far as first or second? You just said the whole industry is going to get us, no matter where we go to pick up or deliver, they're going to get us out of there in 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever you said. It, nobody wins now because you just leveled the playing field. There is no first or second place. We're all the same. Under this system, I don't get it. Under this system, we so, could say the but, really efficient guys are number one and two, and the mega carriers are sucking hind yeah. tail. The mega carrier, this is the biggest yeah. problem for them, not us. Why do you want to solve That's the right. problem for mega carriers? I kind of do want the rate to go to the bottom because that gives me a chance to shine. Wow. I guess. You have a strange thought process. Hold on a second. I I mean, you're right in terms of fuel economy, you would shine. But but on your point about uh, detention, if my guys are there one minute past the two hours, and I have telematics. I can see exactly where they are, what they're doing, no, and I can I submit think it's a still my detention turn. ticket. We're talking about. Hang on, hang on a second. I was muted, I can submit so I a detention ticket. For a while now. Okay, well, I'm answering your point. We who, get who wins is the person with the best truck and the best driving and the best profitability, and that's Joel. That's who wins. 
when no, that's when you get today. unloaded on time. No, that's that who wins, wins today. You guys. And hopefully, I am somewhere in there. But it, that is what has to yeah, happen. Hopefully, you are. And even but so, you're right. And that's the way it should be. Way, that's the way it should you be. You guys are still going to win because you've got that truck and somebody that knows how to drive it. Yep. But the major that's problem right. we're talking about is is dwell time at those unloading docks. That's where we're we're just losing our ass as an industry, and I think that's the most important. Well, and you may be right in terms of a certain segment of the market. In any commodity-type business, the most efficient producer wins. And in the freight capacity market, which is a commodity, I do believe that Alpha Drivers is the most efficient producer, and therefore we are, the, I'd like to think, the most profitable, at least on the expense side of the equation, unless you get into you know, other specialty stuff that we don't do. Um, but there are ways of handling, you know, the, the whole dwell time issue, you're right. When we were a solo, uh, that was a, an issue that we didn't like. We did get paid detention, but we still didn't like it. So we, when we became a team operation, we do very little drop and hooks. We don't back to, you know, to docks. We drop trailers, we hook up, and we're gone. That's how we solve there. the problem. There you we go. Maximize and okay. optimize our capabilities we, and our equipment. Perfect. We For gotta, you, it might be different. We got to move along. Tony, For me, it's different. Tony, yes, I yeah. hung up on you. I hung up. On, I hang up on almost every caller. It takes too long to say goodbye. And so, yes, I hung up on you. Get over it. Call me back next time. We'll talk about it more. But we got to get to some calls. We're actually going to run out of time here soon if I don't get to some calls. Uh, and I just have to let people know. There used to be a time where even the three-hour mark wasn't a hard finish for me. I would keep going some days. I can't today. The, this phone system is going to time out on me here soon. So I want to grab a couple more calls while I can. Uh, TJ, what's on your mind? Hey, what's happening? I was just calling in to, uh, just to, you know, I think Tony's just misunderstood. You guys are misunderstanding what he's saying. Maybe I Tony am. Tony's got a, a, like a big vision, right, of how optimal the industry could work if these dwell times weren't as they are. And he's, and I don't, I'm sure Tony's driving slow. He has to, right, because so, that's, how you, that's how you make money. But he, as another, a secondary problem that Tony wants to solve, is these dwell time issues. Well, let me, I, I think, let I me think address he, that. He has a hard time Cause, you know, cause I, making that. I, I got it that that's what, he was trying, that's what he's trying to solve. First off, I'm not sure I want it solved. If I look at my personal business, I don't want it solved if I'm a small fleet. If I'm looking at the overall economy and all that, I could say, yeah, that would be good for our economy. But, but set all that aside, it doesn't matter. The very first question I asked Tony, and I asked him multiple times, and he can't answer it, give me one way that that would ever happen. We have millions of shippers around the country. How do you ever solve this on a big picture? And nobody can even give me one idea, so why would we waste any time talking about it? And keep yeah. in mind, most shippers are not even open for their docks eight hours a day. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm in the camp where I just, it's just an opportunity for me. And exactly. I, like, I don't of call Walmart, is. Amazon, any of that. I just don't do it. I look for something else. Or I just do something else. I'd buy a different trailer before I, you know, subject myself to dwell times like that. Correct. Or I would, I would be sleeping. I would book everything as short as possible. And then if I knew there's a dwell time, then I would be sleeping during that dwell time. And it wouldn't matter to well. me. 
because I'd be sleeping, and then when I'm released from the dwell time, I'd be, you know, I'd be so, going out again. So I'd instead probably, of fast, instead of saying, you know, Tony's wrong and we're right, let's just look at this. When when Tony says we need to solve this for the whole industry, but he nobody has one single idea how to do it. But when we talk about solving it for ourselves, everybody has three or four or five, six, seven things they've already done to start to fix this. Yep. Kevin, it comes down to you, you, you get cards dealt you and you figure out how to play the cards the best that you got dealt. Correct. And I guess for yep, some people, exactly. one of those ways is to sit around and complain about a problem that can't be solved. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I think he's just was trying to present, a, a, like, a big picture item in addition to slowing down. That's what it sounded like at the first part of his call. Well, but, and here's here's another but, here's another thing he's missing. He's talking to Henry, and Henry tells us all the time, Henry, you don't drive as slow as you would like to most of the time, right? You're in an operation where you you are you have set up a business where even though you're the guy that's all about fuel mileage, you have to run hard on these runs. You just gave us the times and the distances. You have to run hard, but you do it still getting good fuel economy because you've focused on it for so long and you've done it knowing that the rate makes sense for you in this situation to drive faster. And if I'm in a different situation, you're liable to see me at 58. Exactly. So so right. we are not saying everybody should slow down all the time. We've never said that. That's why, and when I told Tony, Tony, you're missing the two biggest factors, rate and fuel cost. And he said, those don't matter. Of course they do. Alec had a really catchy way of saying this when me and him had this debate before. How was that that you put it, ne never drive faster drive than the... Yeah, you drive as slow as possible and only as fast as necessary. That was how it went, yeah. Actually, I thought you coined that phrase. Well, well I think it <laughs> came out of our debate because, you know, me and Alec were having a debate about, like, we were just having. Okay, I got a, I, I got a good question for you guys. Uh, now, you know, these really, really high mile-per-gallon trucks and operations that you guys are running... What, how, what type of gross margins are you guys putting up, percentage-wise? Like, a, like uh, how, you know, your net you revenue. Uh, uh, well, just per month, like percentage. Well, like, you guys hitting twenty percent of revenue or twenty-five? Like, how 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 good is it? Higher than higher than that. Okay, so above twenty-five. So, yes. And, wow. it and in fact, TJ, let me put it this way: the ATBS, uh, the average owner-operator net margin uh, before tax, so pre-tax operating margin, is 28.5 or 0.6%, I can't, for 2022. I haven't seen 23's numbers yet. So compare that to the mega fleet, which was 9.3% operating margin for the year 2022, according to a battery. So that gives you the kind of the window. So you should be above, you know, 28 if that's the average. If, Oh, absolutely. Okay. So then, what's your fuel cost percentage of revenue? Uh, I can give you an exact uh, number right yeah, now I, for... Yeah, I gave you those numbers. <laughs> yeah, I, I can give you Matt's numbers because I have his report here in front of me. Matt spends 15% of revenue on fuel. 
Okay, one five, looks like Kevin? minus one five. Yeah, those are really good numbers. So those are. Do you know what Matt's mile per gallon average is? Is he like a ten mile an hour or mile per gallon truck? Uh, no, he's like eight something. He's driving a two thousand and two truck, and he runs hard because oh, right, he gets right. hundred and sixty thousand miles a year. And he is still keeping. He's in the eight range, I think. Eight something. Eight point four three, yeah. maybe. Sounds about right. But fifteen percent of revenue to fuel is outstanding. Right. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm just gonna open that spreadsheet for 2023. Yeah, and and Matt's operating ratio is is pretty incredible. Matt, yeah. Matt, 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 he's looking that up. The thing that I always keep in mind: the better you do on fuel, hey. the less it helps as you get better. It, right. So, like ten it, to ten and a half is not that big of a difference in a year. Hey, TJ, right. here's here's a number for you, TJ. Yeah. All of Matt's expenses are only thirty-six percent of revenue. That's unbelievable. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Wow. So yeah, you got head, would... head haul both way, I guess. His rates are are strong. Yeah, but yeah. they're strong for a reason. He he does all the things we talk about, and not just us. I mean, this is just general business practices. We didn't make any of this stuff up. It's just it, it, when you, you know, stick to and focus all this stuff, cutting expenses is where we spend a lot of time. We also talk about building relationships, finding better freight, scheduling better time management, all that stuff that increases revenue. And when you spend years working on this, this is what's possible. Uh, I don't know if you've heard me go over Matt's numbers before, TJ, but um, his profit for 2023 Profit, one driver, one truck, $274,000. That's crazy. Yes. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I can't, I mean, I'm like, I, I mean, I got real problems if my, you know, my revenue goes from like a million five to a million two, <laughs> then like I'm back down to my break even. Right? right. So I don't, I don't know. I wish my, if I had contractors that could put up those numbers, then um, then my numbers would get better. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. It, but, but yeah, it's um, uh, it's crazy. But I, I mean, I, we I've always specced like decent trucks from Freightliner, but I really feel like these newer uh, uh, low spit or down sped engines, and the, you know this whole eight to ten mile per gallon is way better than like my 2016s that are running. You know. Seven, five, eight. If they're, if we really, really try, we can get eight, eight. You know, but, but it seems if like it was possible to do it back in 2016. Just not many people ordered the combination that would get you there. Yeah, because I ordered a bunch of 10 speeds and I think 342s because they were yeah. that was the lightest, the lighter setup, and we were running 70. But, uh, but nowadays with all this downsped stuff, it it just seems like there's way more ability to to get above eight easily it, there is mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it's becoming much more common. and it was there in 2016 it just wasn't common you had to know a whole lot more to spec it right yeah hey tj what? um yeah so for for us we're at 15.2 percent fuel 90 revenue. seconds there yeah, we go that's great and you're running a ten, lots of 10 mile per per gallon trucks right yeah hey I, we have we have one truck and it 10.71 for the year. Well, that's amazing. All that profit can easily pay for $200,000 setups, you know? Absolutely. Yes, yep. 
And you know, Kevin, you got me thinking when you said about relationships. Yeah, it's relationships with brokers, shippers, seconds. the technician that works on your truck, the shop that works on your truck. I, that, that's your all relationships. I have a whole list. Your your tax preparer, your financial planner, your I, I, there's a whole list of people. Any you look around because everybody's business is a little different. But you look around how many people touch and affect my business. And if they touch and affect my business enough, I better be building a relationship with them. Yeah, that's for sure. Yep. And I like that these the going slower really fixes maintenance items, you know. And that's a bit counterintuitive. I think I heard on another show, by slowing down, it creates more heat in the, in the afternoon, therefore making it you know, operate more properly. And interesting enough. It, it depends. Right. On it gearing. Depends. It all depends. Yeah. But if we do it right, you are correct. These downsped engines, we're setting them up so we keep heat in the engine. That's good for the emissions. Ironically, slowing down decreases heat everywhere else, which is what we're looking for. Our tires don't get as hot. Our differentials don't get as hot because that's all lost energy. I had a caller yesterday. I was trying to figure out why he was wearing out his tires so fast. It didn't seem like an alignment issue, although later on we figured out it might be alignment. But he was also driving 75 and sometimes 80 miles an hour. You are going to wear out tires a whole lot faster at that speed than you will at 55. Yeah, because yeah, running those speeds like I do, I only got 285,000 miles out of my steers and a friend of mine that runs slow all the time. He got 315. Here's what I'm trying to figure out. This guy was buying a top-line Michelin steer tire, and he can't get to 100,000 miles. But they're not wearing yeah, fun. I thought, that, 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 that's I thought the, these setback front axle trucks were causing lots of steer tire wear as well. But on a Cascadia, you're telling me you got 285 out of some steer tires on a Cascadia? I, I mean, yeah, even that sounds like, yeah. We run Michelins, but they they, don't, they get to 150 setback I, front axle Cascadias. I, but I, I guess it's just regional T- sort of P&D work that causes them to wear out. Uh, well, TJ, yeah, you're I, turning more than I do. TJ, yeah. I'll tell you this. For your operation, and, and it's a fleet, you know, trying to compare to, to Henry holding the steering wheel all day. Uh, Henry, I didn't just call you a steering wheel holder. That wasn't what that meant. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I, I hold it. He's been called for I, worse. I, I was going to say, TJ, your numbers are excellent. As a fleet in your operation, if you're getting 150,000 miles out of steer tires, you're doing well. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, well, it's a blend, so, I mean, I don't know. Maybe our day cabs aren't getting that, I'm yeah, sure. That, but, that's a good number. Uh, uh, but, yeah, no, I just there's a, there's a lot of work to be done, it, it seems like, from on my expenses side, if I compare myself against these guys. Oh, well, that'll keep you up at night. And, you know, it's not a fair comparison I, I, at all. You know what? It, it, it is fair because I look at Nussbaum that has 500 trucks and has a fleet average of 9.4 and over 100 trucks that are averaging better than 10. So it is possible to do as a fleet. To me, that's used as an excuse too much. But that's One a, person can do it, but they can't comparison. do it bigger. But the, the comparison is um, Nussbaum is more of a long-haul type of an operation, and TJ, to his credit, is doing very well as a regional or oh, yeah. even intrastate. So that's why I say the comparison is not quite the same. And 
it's a disservice. And it, like Kevin said, it, if he starts to compare his operation to Alpha drivers or to Henry's, so uh, I right. don't do that, DJ. You, All right. you really T- smack yourself silly. Here's hey, one more thing, Kevin. Um, so on all the trucks I'm going to sell, I think I'll just pull an ECM report, and uh, and then we would know. Like I would be able to stack up with that ECM report, and just like kind of I could rank these trucks as far as selling them. Absolutely, that'd probably be a good idea, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, I'll give you an example. There was a time when I was buying a, a used truck for my operation, and I was looking at a fleet that had like fifty identical trucks for sale and the specs were pretty close to what I wanted I was very happy with the specs but that's exactly what I did I spent an entire weekend pulling all those ECM reports and and grading them and crawling all over all 15 trucks to figure out the the best one out of the 15 All right, TJ, I'm going to cut you loose, and we are going to do a lightning round on our final calls because we actually ran out of time, but I'm looking, and it it looks like our phone system is allowing us to keep going. We just can't take any new calls. So we're going to blast through the three calls we've got left. Randy in Oklahoma, what's on your mind? Yeah, I wanted to talk to Henry about his air ride front axle. When you come up onto a bridge approach, does it bang? No. Well, I've and got if it a, does, you're bottoming out. Well, what I've got is a 19 with a Detroit front axle, and I want to switch it to the Hendrickson Air Ride, like what you have. Do you think that okay. would be smart to do? Why are you wanting to change it? Because I don't like the ride of the truck. I don't think you're going to find the ride changes that much. The thing I find with having the Hendrickson one it it seems to like shocks sooner than I like to replace them. Okay. To, to you don't my think ride it would be worth- so. So what might no because the air ride isn't that much different on them. So it's it's less unsprung weight, but it's not going to be day and night. My gauge has become. I, I let my phone sit up on the corner of my dash, and if it starts falling on the floor, it's time to put new shocks on. When I put new shocks, the phone doesn't move. Uh-huh. Well, okay, so you're saying it would be a waste of money to, to do all that work. No, and if, it, if it's thumping bad, I'd check your ride height to make sure you're not going through the travel and bottoming it out of your hitting a real hard deal. No, I wouldn't. The, the spring and air ride mean, side of it isn't that much different. All you're really changing is the axle. Right, right. Hey, Henry, uh, yeah, I, on, on, on your setup, um, or on the Detroit side uh, axle, versus Hendrickson, I, is it possible to adjust the caster? Because I know on the Volvo side, the caster angle yeah. makes a big difference. And so that may be his issue. It could be. Yeah, yeah that is, Absolutely you can. That is an issue on any truck. Get that set wrong, and, and you will feel mm-hmm. a really, really harsh ride in the front end. Yeah. And when we say set wrong, the, it's where they call for it to be set, but it, it turns out it's more yeah, optimal it, somewhere else. Correct. Right. Right. Optimal, optimal and factory spec are not always the same. <laughs> They're and almost never the I same. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, where, where do you live? A, an easy I, place I'm to in start. Nebraska. I run Nebraska through Kansas to ranches all over so, in Oklahoma. I'm, I'm on, uh, on off road. 
So if you get down towards Kansas City, I'd say see Chad Hahn. And if you got up towards Michigan, see Jim Fowler. And either one of them can get you set up right to get your ride quality there. Yep, I agree. Okay, okay. And make sure the ride height's right, that you're not actually just running out of suspension travel. You mean on the back, on your airbags? Yeah, on the front, on your air ride. If the axles slap oh, on the I don't frame, have air ride. I, want to ch- I was wanting to change it to air ride. Oh. I have the Detroit One Spring. Oh, so you got the, the regular 12.5 single spring. Right, right. Yeah, just get the caster taken out of it because I've driven the single spring one. And the first one I drove, because I always had the 13.2 front end, the first one I drove and moved around one time for Freightliner, I thought it was air ride, and I had to check, and it wasn't. So that can actually ride very well, but it's probably a caster issue. I thought you already had an air ride front, but had no, the deep I was looking one. at putting it under here. It'd be a, you know, by the time I, I do it, it, you're looking at about seven grand to change it out. Yeah, no, I still wouldn't but do it. I, I wouldn't work truck. with what you got. Yeah, there, work with another what you way got. To, Another thing that we've done with uh, trying to move weight to our steer, um, we've kind of, we're still testing it, so I don't want to recommend it just yet, but uh, doing some sort of, of an airbag assist to a solid axle, that has seems to have firmed up the ride as well. Sway bars, uh, anti-sway bar helps. So there are, uh, I, I think going to a, a Hendrickson air ride, frankly, is a step in the wrong direction. Uh, whether you have parabolic leaf springs or just the straight leaf, I you know, there are a lot of, I think, better approaches than going to the Hendrickson personally. Yeah. Yeah, take it to somebody like Chad or Jim and get the caster taken well, out of it and make sure it's yeah. even, that it's not got a twist to the axle, because that can also make them do that if they put a twist mm-hmm. in it, which is not mm-hmm. that uncommon. Right. Yeah, and that's why I prefer to take it to a gym who you got one guy looking at the whole suspension versus, the, you know, an alignment guy and then another shop. And, you know, so personally, I, I like taking it up to gym, but uh, it may not be as con- convenient. Yeah, and he goes to Kansas, okay. so Ch- Chad's right there. Yeah. I guess yeah. he's still there, Kevin. isn't he, Kevin? Yeah. Yes. All righty. Well, I'm still kicking it around, but I, I don't know. I had air ride on a Coronado, and I I like it a lot better than I do this one. It's like the front tire hits the bump, and the back tire is hitting it at the same time. I have the same wheelbase as you do. I I think it can be improved. I I think if you take some of those uh, suggestions that that this can be fixed. We we are going to Texas. Andrew, it looks like you've got the final word today. All right. um, Okay. I have no numbers because I just started with this company. Uh, just started with my CDL a little over a year ago. Um, I'm working for one of the major carriers, and they have three programs. I'm initially coming in as a company driver. They also have a lease program, and they have a lease-to-own program. Now, I've heard your opinion on most lease-to-own programs, but I, I'm, I'm not saying the name of the company because unless you want me to, I can't. I don't have a problem. I, with I don't care if you do um, or not. It doesn't matter to me. Prime, um, it, it's Prime Inc. Okay. Um, and it's uh, their lease program. Now, I have not We're, heard your opinion on just a straight lease program. Worse than a lease purchase. 
Okay. One of the ways to make money in this industry. Why? Oh, your favorite, your favorite question. Why? Yeah, good. Uh, thank you for asking that, by the way, because <laughs> this allows me to tell you that I'm not just repeating something I heard. I actually have reasoning behind this. One of the ways that you make money in this business, and it's not the only way, and it doesn't mean everybody does it this way. I didn't even always do it this way, but many times this works really well. Buy really well-specced, efficient equipment and keep it as long as you possibly can. Like Matt, we talked about somebody who generates $275,000 in a year by himself. He's driving a 2002 truck with a 1999 engine in it. No truck payments, lower insurance cost, his maintenance cost is not high compared to a new truck. So if all I ever do is rent, don't even use the word lease, you're renting your most important piece of equipment. You don't get to spec it, you don't really get to maintain it the way you want, and you will never ever own it. No thanks. That is one of the worst ideas I've ever heard, trying to make money in this business. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. Because I've, I've been talking to driver after driver after driver, and they are just gaga on this lease program. Yeah. Well, and let me, I haven't, I, I've hey, even gone through some of the videos well, let me, online on like YouTube and stuff like that. There's not a lot of negative. And, oh, well, Andrew, did you ever ask one of these <laughs> yeah. guys why they're gaga? You asked me why. I don't like them, and I think I gave you a pretty solid answer. Did you ever ask them no, why, why they love it? No, I haven't. I don't. I haven't been able to talk directly to anybody. Here, here's what I'll, here, I can tell you exactly why they love it. Because as a, I'm just going to give you some random numbers as an example that don't pay attention to the numbers, just the concept. As a company driver, the check they got to cash at the end of the week was $1,000. All of a sudden, they sign this lease purchase program or this lease program, either one. Doesn't seem like all that much change. All of a sudden, they get a check at the end of the week that's 2200 bucks. Hell, of course they're happy. They think they just hit the lottery. They don't understand, though, that they're now making less than they used to at $1,000 a week. And if that wasn't the case, we wouldn't have a more than 90% failure rate in these programs. Try to ask Prime how many people actually succeed and finish this program. They will not tell you the number. They're embarrassed by the number. All of these programs have abysmal numbers. That's all the proof I would need, but I could go through all the reasons why these things suck, but I can simplify it. Let me ask you a question. Why don't you just go buy a truck on the open market? Oh, completely trash credit. And uh, no, stop absolutely right no there. money. That's why I switched jobs and it's got well, an edit. And you're not ready. Andrew, stop right there. Oh, no, I'm not tell, ready. Tell me the number yeah, one right reason there. why businesses fail. Uh, failure to plan. No. No. No, you can plan all day. But if you don't have cash or credit, you're going to fail. The number one reason businesses fail, they're undercapitalized. They don't have cash and they don't have access to credit. You can't run a business if you don't have any damn money. So the answer is, oh, well, this, this company's gonna let me own a truck or lease a truck and, and I don't have to have credit, I don't have to have a down payment. You're right. Well, it's just gonna mess up your credit it's probably awful. in the end. It, it's so. awful. Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't work. That's why when people call me and they say, well, you have to look at this lease purchase program so it, because it's so good. And I say, no, I don't. I don't care how good it is. If you're signing up people that have no money, no credit, no business experience, the program sucks. And that's all of them. So, to me, well, the best the advice would be to spend your time getting your credit straightened up so that you can attain that dream that you want to do. And, 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 and I am, and, and I am, that is Andrew, one of the things I've started. Andrew, I'm going to be... the simple answer has always been, if there was more money to be made by owning the truck, the carrier would never want to sell or lease you the truck. Andrew, I'm going to be ah, yes, sir. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. You should not be in business no matter how you do it, buying a truck, leasing a truck, renting a truck because you have sucked at managing money your entire life up until this point. Agreed. So before you think Absolutely about getting agree into with that. Absolutely agree with that. And that's everybody that signs a lease purchase. It's the only reason to do it. If you have money and credit, you would just go out and buy your own truck. That's why these programs are awful. Now, I said up until this day, you now have the choice to go become financially literate and learn how to manage money, and then you could think about going, going into business. And once you do that, you would never sign a lease purchase program. Why would you? Doesn't sound like I'm going to. Good. Again, I am brand new at this, and I'm just—I was looking for that 10,000-foot bird's eye view of it, um, and I—and I took the advantage of being, driving down the road today to give you a call about that. Good. Uh, Congratulations. One other thing I noticed uh, being on hold for as long—you had uh, inadvertently—you just uh, made the best testimonial for your stress protocol. Because I'm pretty sure a couple of calls back, if you weren't doing your stress protocol, you would have had a stroke. I, it, I, I can get a little excited about these <laughs> topics. There's no doubt. <laughs> so I agree. Absolutely. And I am doing your uh, your health program. I am. Um, I've been doing that for the last year. I've dropped uh, 75 pounds. Fantastic! Congratulations! All right. And believe it or not, that step in many, many ways gets you closer to being successful in business. Mm-hmm. The healthier you are, right. the more the, yep. the healthier you are, the more energy you have, the clearer you think. There's also this concept called um, setting what's called a keystone goal. Setting one goal that as you start to uh, accomplish that goal, magically other things in your life start to get better. When you fix your health, you'll notice your finances start to get better. If you fix your finances, you sometimes notice your relationships get better. It's a snowball effect. So when we, when we make the effort and put in the hard work to improve one big area in our life, we also start improving all the other ones, just by default. Well, my, my main goal right now for the health is in 90, on February 12th and 90, I graduated Marine Corps boot camp at 2.32. And um, right now I'm at uh, 2.90, and by the time February 12th of next year comes up, I will be back at 2.32. I believe. Come hell or high water, there is, you know, I am, you know, I can't say what I was going to say. I, I, I believe <laughs> you. Congratulations. Tim's on that, to borrow, to borrow a term from somebody else. 
Excellent. Good, All right. good stuff. Anything else you want to talk about today? I'm good to go, sir. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks good for the luck. call. All right. Alec, Henry, final words. You know, I think I've spoken right. enough today. <laughs> Slow down and drive safe. I've seen way too many trucks reduced to frame rails over the last week, two weeks since I've been back to work after the holidays. You know? I agree. Another good one. All right. My final words. Yeah. I'm sitting out at the homestead. Out in front of me is a beautiful, snowy landscape. And since I'm nice and cozy inside, it's wonderful to look out. I'm not driving in it. And uh, it just became a little more magical because I'm looking at a herd of about 35 elk in my yard. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a good day. And it's Friday. We're done with the week. All right. That's right. Good stuff. Thank you, guys. 11 hours, I'm done, too. As always, there you go. And we will do this again next week. We'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.